tip today in association with Slattery's of Pecan, your main Peugeot dealer for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery'sGarage.ie morning. Welcome along to Tip Today, 1800-938-007. Our free phone number, Emma, is looking after the show. She'll be happy, as always, to hear from you. Coming up on this morning's uh, programme, Joe will chat to me about some spooky photographs she sent us yesterday. We have an update on the Templemore swimming pool debacle. Farmer's Journal with uh, Katrina Morrissey a little later on. We'll have our health slot, our weekly health slot indeed, with uh, Muriel Cuddy. We have a taste of this week's Down Your way and a documentary on the musical history of the high school in Clonmel. So all of that and much, much more on the way. You can text and WhatsApp 083 311 You can email tiptoday at tipfm.com and whatever way you may contact, we're always uh, delighted to hear from you. Uh, a quick look at the headlines. The Irish Indo today leading with uh, patients wait 24 hours for bed in 17 hospitals. Patients were waiting 24 hours for a bed in 17 hospitals yesterday as the winter surge in emergency care continued to take its toll. To the Irish Daily Mail, uh, too many first-time mothers are having C-sections. That is their banner headline and uh, too many first-time mothers are being persuaded to have cesarean sections due to doctors' fears of litigation and out of convenience. And that's according to a major new study. And also right across the newspapers today, sad news that Michael Flatley has an aggressive form of cancer. Now he's been through uh, an operation and we wish him the very, very best indeed. Um, The Irish Examiner. And their front page is dominated by a fantastic photograph of Colin Farrell with Jenny the donkey in the Banshees of Inishirin. And uh, there's also a photograph of him accepting his best actor, Golden Globe, on uh, Tuesday night. But it's a great, stark photograph with uh, beautiful scenery there of uh, one of our islands. Uh, Also on the Examiner today, uh, protests outside asylum seeker accommodation crossed the line of decency. And that's according to the tarnished to Michal Martin. And his remarks come ahead of several protests planned for today at facilities housing asylum seekers. A number of small groups have held protests at facilities housing those seeking international protection in recent weeks with elements of the far-right leading calls for a concentrated, uh, concentrated day of action. And that's something we'd like to put out to you this morning. These kind of protests, as far as you're concerned, are they legitimate protests? Is it legitimate for people to protest outside of these centres for asylum seekers? Or do you think as uh, certainly Michal Martin and I know Simon Harris as well seems to believe that they are not simply gatherings or protests but intimidation? And we'd love to know how you feel about that. Finally to the Irish Times and uh, again with the subject of refugees their headline is Radcar warns there may not be room for all refugees and there are growing fears in government that accommodation options are running out as the number of Ukrainian arrivals is expected to increase and hotels will seek to take back rooms currently occupied by refugees for the tourist season but um, the Taoiseach uh, Mr Varadkar warned yesterday 
that the government was not in a position to guarantee accommodation to everyone who arrives in the country. That's just the reality of the situation. And uh, some good news, I suppose. Hopes are growing that this year's unprecedented flu season is close to peaking, uh, though experts are predicting a long tail that will impact on health services for several months. So that's a quick look at what's making headlines in your newspapers today. If you want to uh, comment on any of that, again, if you uh, text or WhatsApp 83 Now, yesterday... We spoke to Cork Supernatural Society's lead investigator, Matthew Clark, about their investigation into Lockmore Castle in uh, Tipperary, which has been listed as one of Ireland's most haunted castles. Well, one of our lovely friends, Joe Noble, uh, shared some rather uh, strange photographs uh, that was taken outside of a, a house that she once lived in. And Joe joins me now. Good morning to you, Joe. Good morning, friend. How are you? I'm very well indeed. Lovely to talk to you again. Um, Those photographs are fairly spooky. Will you tell me about the vortex one, uh, first of all? Where was it taken, Joe? Uh, That was taken in my garden. Um, To be honest with you, Fran, I was always out taking them. I don't know a lot about I know scientists. I'm not going to pretend or whatever, a bunch of people that I know what they are, because I don't. Mm. Um, But the thing is, I was forever out taking photos in that garden. But I did do a little bit of history connected to it. Right. Uh, just a small little bit for me own, kind of. But, um, and it seems most was children, believe it or not, that was out and all the orbs and what have you. I, I used to get, your man yesterday, when he said about dust on the camera. Yes. Noah, I thought, Jesus, Mary and Holy St. Joseph, I must have had a fierce dusty camera. <laughs> because you got a lot of, a lot of images of these orbs, uh, did you? Friend, I could send you, I have an album full of um, those type of photos. And was this all in the one area, Joe, or...? They, well, I used mostly just take them there, but I did get them in other places as well. Right. I could be just out and just say, oh, I'll take photos. But I was getting them during the day. It wouldn't be night time. It wouldn't always be night time. People kind of associate those things as you go at night time. Yes. We yeah. have one, friend, and I can send them to you, that was taken during the day, crystal clear. Of an um, of orbs like like these like like bubbles orbs, is it orbs and vortex yeah both. Hmm. Will you just explain the vortex one to listeners? Because I was blown away. It seemed to be an image of a person, was it? It was, and if you look closely at the person, <laughs> I'll say no more. You can study that one. All right. Do um, you think it's somebody in particular? It is definitely somebody in particular. Oh. For me, it's definitely somebody in particular. Even my body. I remember showing <laughs> to Billy and I blew it up, right? And he goes, Jeez, Mary Joseph, ma'am. Because <laughs> he recognised who the person was as well. My God. Yeah, and you can't say it was kind of just a light or whatever, because if you look at the, the height that that picture, that uh, face came out in, is in, it's up near the top of a tree. Yes. And if you look, there was, there was the iron thing that I used for to sow roses up around, what you call them? I don't know, I can't remember what you call them, yoke. I mean, it was up way higher than that. Right. So it wasn't just taking a straight on and maybe get an image of somebody that was around or whatever. Right, this and, and it looked like it was swirling in some way. Yeah. I was only saying hello to your friends. Went. Right, but were you not scared, Joe? No, 
no, I don't mind doing things at all. There's nothing to be scared of. Well, that's the thing too. Do you think you attracted in some way because you're not scared of it? Well, it's possible. Like somebody said to me one time, well, they said I was a little bit on the psychic side, but the lads call it septic. Fran, I could go on and on forever, but I know you haven't the time. Um, the very first thing that ever happened to me was when I was about 13. Now, what wouldn't even have been 13? I would have been about 10 or 11, actually. And what happened, Joe? I was coming in, the, we lived in a lounge, you know, over in Liskadeen, you know, you know that area. Is that near Littleton there? Yeah, yeah. outside Littleton. Yeah. Um, and we lived in a long, a big, long old Boreen, Bockety, mm. Boreen. And I was running in along Mammy and a friend of ours, another woman, was coming in behind, yapping away, and I was just trotting along in front of them. And there was a big high beach, and on that ditch, there was big beech trees or some kind of trees. Mm. I don't know what kind of trees they were. Um, but as I was going in, there was a woman, and she has stuck in my mind to this day. Um, there was a woman just sitting up on the ditch with her back to the tree, and I can still see even what she had on her. And she just waved at me. Mm. And I waved back at the woman. And I told her back straight away, and I said, Mammy, who is the woman? And Mammy looked at Kitty Gation and said, What's she talking about? There was they couldn't see anybody. Mm. And I just took it for I thought, well, you know, fine, she's gone, maybe. Um and I just continued on. I was only a child. But I've never, ever and have never forgotten it and don't know who the woman was. I wouldn't bullshit and say, you and, know. Yeah, and know. and you saw her and your mother and her friend didn't see anything no, at all. I did not see her. I don't know who that woman was. I haven't a clue I could you know, people can make up stories and they can say, oh, it yeah. was me and me 10 years, 100 years back. I don't know who the right. woman was. You don't, but was she wearing very old-fashioned clothing? Not, yeah, she was wearing this very pale, pale, green, kind of, um, oh, God, do you know those meshy kind of big, big white shirts that they used to have? Yes, yeah, sure. And a short black cardigan. Little sharper, they just come to the top of her waist. Right. Short black cardigan. She had just black hair, short. And that I can still see that woman to this And did she seem very real to you, Joe, or was it kind of. Oh, no. She was 100% real. Real. Okay. She she was a woman sitting there with her back to the tree. My God. And she just waved at you. She just smiled and waved, yeah. And I just waved back and straight away turned back to Mammy to ask who the woman was. Because I didn't know her. And have you had experiences like that then all your life? Did, well, the next one I was about, oh God, I suppose I was, what, six, 16 when I had the next one. I didn't have them regularly. Um, the next one was my grandmother. She was in England. And um, she, I was asleep, was in bed. And I woke up and this woman was standing outside me bed. And I and I thought, what is this? And she, but she had was her dress. I was looking at it was very weird dress to me. It was a picture of Holy Mary on the front of it. Anyway, that was fine. She, I don't know how long she was there. I'm not going to exaggerate mm. and say whatever. Um, when she was vanished, anyway, I got out of the bed and I went into Mammy, and I remember saying, "Mammy, I saw a woman standing at the side of my bed." And uh, now my grandmother lived in England. Yes. Um, 
So Mammy said, she, she said, I hope your grandmother is all right. And the following day, we used to get telegrams that time. Mm. The following morning, Mammy got a telegram and Mammy had died. And that was fine. That was fine. My Mammy couldn't go over to England to the funeral and what have you. Yeah. Um, finances and what have you. Yeah. Um, but didn't they take a picture of Mammy? Her sisters lived over in England. They took a picture of Nanny laid out and she seemed as she was I don't know what they call it. Was she in the Legion of Mary or whatever? Did oh, they yes. Yeah, it? of course. Yeah. Tell you. But she yeah. was laid out in the shroud with a, a hand-painted picture of the Blessed Virgin on the front of it. Oh, exactly my God. to what I had seen. Exactly what you saw. Exactly what I saw. But again, back then, you shrugged things off and you didn't, didn't think much of it type of thing. But um, again, you weren't frightened by this, Joe. No. No. Oh. I'm just curious as to who it was or what it was. Wow. Um, the, I did have a scary one, though. I did have a very, and I would not like a repeat of it, and that is the truth. It was my ex's father. My He was, they, they were divorced before I ever met my, my ex-husband, mm. right? Yeah. And I never even saw a picture of him. And I remember I used to get up, used to go to Jesus to him at that time to get up at a clock row in the morning to get to breakfast for him mm. to send him off to work. Mm. And I thought when he was gone off to work, or oh, here I go back to bed to very early. And I just went back and I laid in the bed. And the bedroom door, I could see it opened in about, I don't know, I'm not going to I don't want to say exactly this, that or the other. Yeah, sure. I'd be exaggerating, do you know what I mean? But anyway, it opened in a little bit. And this man was standing, looking in at me. Now, that, I tried at first. I thought, Jesus, Mary and Joseph, I didn't shut the front door properly. Somebody's after breaking in. And I tried to move in the bed, but I was frozen solid. Now, that was scary. You couldn't I, move? No. No. I could not move. That was, that, I, well, I wouldn't like that to happen again. But... Um, the, and what uh, happened, Joe? You remained like that for a while, did you? I don't know. I'm not. Again, I wouldn't say how yeah. could be seconds, it could be a minute. It could, I don't know, friend, how long. Yeah. But as soon as the image went away and the door went back, I was okay. And I picked up, I'm sure what I was going to do with it, I don't know. But I picked up the bedside level and I thought, somebody has broken it. And I got out of the bed, dinner was perfect once that door shut. Uh, got out, there was a letter on the hall, but I skipped over that, checking the doors to see was everything, you know, mm. what I did. And I picked up the letter, and I want, something I never, ever do is open anybody's post. But for some unknown reasons, may, I opened it. And it was telling um, my ex that his dad had died. Now, that was fine. I went straight away, phoned him to work, blah, 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 come home, Um he came home and he was sitting now and he is not and I stress not a believer in anything like that. Mm, yeah. Um, he sat down at the side of the fire and he was talking and I just said to him, I said, I had an awful strange thing this morning. I said, and I wasn't asleep. I had only just went back into bed and um, I told him what happened and described the man and I am an exaggerating friend. He went white at the other side sitting across from me. He said I was after describing his father to the teeth. And you had never met his dad? No, I not, not even seen a photograph. My God. No. So this, this was a hint to let's call me. Septic. This is But yes, I can kind of tell if family is going to 
you know, passed away type thing. You, like that. You, you get some sort of premonition or feeling? It's the shadows. Actually, I, don't, I couldn't tell you if it's a man or a woman or what it was, but the shadows will always come to me past the window or, you know, just bleed past. And I'd be trying to think who the dickens is sick now. She's Joe, I'm going to be very, very careful about meeting you again. That's why you've been exposed to this stuff because you have there, there's something about Joe that I don't know. I've been told that I should open myself yeah, to yeah. this, but I don't. I don't wish to, friend. I don't. Right. Um. I didn't, enough of things have went on in my life, as I say, and it's like, do you know what I mean? Um. Things like that. Yeah. I mean, Mammy came back to me, but she always said she would. She she said to me, you know, if there's a way back, I'll come back and tell you. And, and your I, mother, she did come back to you, did she? She, I, she frightened the living bejesus out of me. <laughs> <laughs> the poor old creator, she had only went in Clonmel Hospital, she died. And I was I, I was staying uh, down with Daddy because I wanted him to be on his own, like, you know, and when everyone left the house, I thought, right, I'll stay here with the creator, it's nice. Yeah. And he says to me, "Will you go in and sleep in your mother's room? Do you like you know old people that time they didn't sleep in one mother yeah, anyway." Yeah, yeah. Um, and I said, "Oh, Jesus, won't Daddy?" No, I said, "I'll stay here on the couch." But I said, "You'd want to go into bed because the you've a long old day tomorrow." Yeah. And anyway, he went off into bed, and I was sitting on the end of the, the couch. Now that's thirty years ago. I was sitting on the end of the couch and I was looking up at the little window in the alcove, and I used smoke fags that time. Dirty yeah. habit. Anyway. Um, I was looking up the window and I thought, well, I have a fag. I want to have a fag before I lie down on the couch. And I got an old blanket out of the hot dress. Um, and I was just, and I just turned back and be hauling words as she was sitting on the bloody chair where she normally sat across no from with the dirtiest grit. But she wasn't sick. That was the funny part of it. And she loved red. She was actually dressed in red. And the dirtiest grin, well, I got up. And I forgot the fag. Yeah. I forgot everything. I go home and I went into Daddy's room. And Daddy had a little tiny armchair yoke at the end of the bed. And I go, Daddy, can I stay here? <laughs> All I got was a grunt. So I thought, hey, he's asleep. He's going to stay here. He's picking big fat arse on me at the time. I busted the arm out of the chair. But anyway, I was waiting for the, the lights to come on in the school. And I knew it was time to get up. <clears throat> so I got out of the chair and I came out along and as I got to the little hall to put to turn on the light in the kitchen I realised what had went on. Now when I went into Daddy's room there was an awful presence but I didn't see anything after that right. but I felt her presence very strongly but um, <laughs> when I went to turn on the light and I thought oh shit mother don't be still sitting there looking at me grinning at me <laughs> and didn't actually this face behind me what happened to you last night? Well, wrapped with Daddy. Well, I nearly... Had such a shock. <laughs> but she always said that she would let you know. She always come back said she would. Yeah. And did that... When, when you were able to sort of calmly look at... Did that give you some peace, uh, Joe? Well, I certainly believe, anyway, friend, that there is, you know, life ever after. I mean, death wouldn't scare me at all. Um... I do believe firmly. I'm not holy, Joe. I don't go to mass. I don't do any of those things. I go to funerals and weddings and things mm. like that. But, mm. you know, and that's it. But I have strong 
believed in the men above. Right. Right. You know, I and, do watch. And you think there is an afterlife and... Oh, jeez, big time. Yeah. Too many things in that line happen for me not to believe, right? I, 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 I find it absolutely incredible because I'm such a scaredy cat, Joe, to be honest. If something like that happened, I would be in the afterlife anyway because I'd die of a heart attack, <laughs> I, would, I would imagine. You wouldn't, you wouldn't. Um, yeah. Do you know there was a man that just be... Now, he was big into all them things. I won't obviously mention his name. But he was big into all that type of supernatural, bloody, 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 bloody things. And he asked one time, could he come down to the garden to take photos? And I said, no problem. So I came down anyway, and he was out. He could not get one. And he t- now and he was into that. Mm. Um, he came back into the yard, and he says, I don't know. He said, they, they mustn't be out at all. Tonight, he said, we can't get anything. And I says, well, I'll try. And I went over, and very much I flipped the course on the comb. And he couldn't believe it. And he went back out straight away, and no, we're all gone again. I find it, it's absolutely incredible stories, Joe. Absolutely well, incredible. I could tell you a lot more if you had yeah. an hour to tell you. <laughs> I could take up your whole program at that moment. Isn't it amazing? <laughs> we're, we're, we have your photo. Just to remind people that the photographs in question, by the way, are up on our social media pages at the moment if people want to have uh, a look at it. I was particularly taken with the one with the extremely bright light, uh, Joe. In, uh, the, with the blue kind of light coming out on both sides. Yeah. What was that? Yeah. Now, that was taken. That wasn't nighttime as such as that was taken. I have one in and one of them, a bigger one, in broad daylight. Uh, my son was walking back with his back to me, back over towards the, the, the cottage. And um, this one was just right at the side of him. I'm not 100% sure, friend. I, I, I don't know, is, is it a vortex or what it is? I do, I'm not 100% sure about that one. Yes. But I know the blue one, it is good. I have another one. Ashley, I'm taking up too much of your time. No, not at all. It's fascinating, Joe. Go on, you um, were saying what? Bala New York Castle. Yes. No, that's where that auntie fella should go that you were talking to yesterday. Okay. Yeah. But uh, that um, is a castle that I don't like. I I just get this horrible feeling. I can go into the bottom of it, no problem. To go up that stairs is a nightmare for me. Um, leap test or lip, whatever they pronounce yes. it, same thing. I get a mad headache. Um, but um, we went, my cousin was home from America, and we went over to Bellinue Castle, and I was pulling a breach, right? Because right? I didn't really want to go. Um, but when we went, wasn't there a gateway that you couldn't go up the stairs? A metal gate put in. Now, maybe it was put in so cows couldn't go up it or mm, something. Yeah. I don't know. It was, it was there. Anyway. And her um, husband took a photo of the two of us standing in front of it. And this big, massive, I'll send you that photo. Please big, do, yeah. Blue orb right next to me. And the blue is the protection orb was there. So you were being protected, was that it? I was it? being protected, yeah. So there was something not good that I could send up there. So and the same in Lip, Leap or Lip Castle. Lip Castle, yeah. Um, when I went over to see that place, and I remember I was upstairs in the very, you know, top part was there, mm. up there. And um, God, I felt terribly uneasy. And I just, I didn't feel right at all. And all of a sudden I got a terrible headache. And I thought, I have to get out of here. So I went downstairs and he was doing his talk above and he came down after to see if I was okay. 
And I told him what happened. And I said, there's something horrible up there. I said, I just, you know, an awful headache. I said, didn't feel right. Got terrible vibes. I get vibes of people, by the way, whether they're good or bad. But anyway, yeah. um, he said to me, he said, that particular place you were in was where they used to actually execute. And the people used to throw them down this um, celery thing, yes. thing mm. and they would be left to starve down there. And that's where all the executions and things like that happened, was actually up there, where I was, where I wasn't able to stay. Well, Joe, I could listen to you all day because this subject fascinates me and I know it does for a lot of our people as well. Thank you thank you so much for, for those recollections, Joe. A lot of people think I'm bullshitting behind me not. No, gee. I, I can only tell my side is up. You know, people can exaggerate things. That's one thing I don't do yeah. and don't like even to do is exaggerate anything. Right, well, we, we have the photographs up there and people can make up their own minds. And, and if you have yeah, some of those extra ones, Joe, we'd love to have them. I have a load of them. I'll send yeah. you on. I'll do that. That would be my project today. Oh, all right, Joe. <laughs> Look after yourself, Dota. And thank you so much for your time. Not a Thanks, Joe. Thank you. Bye-bye, okay, you. Now, that's Joe Noble speaking today. Isn't that absolutely uh, fascinating altogether? Um, how do you feel about that? And have you had similar experiences? Um, 083 311 Tip today with Fran Curry. With Slattery's Garage, puck on. You can't beat experience. With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie. Tip FM's Tip Today with Fran Curry. In association with Slattery's of Pecan, Tipperary's main Peugeot dealer. Slattery's Garage Pecan, the name you can trust for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery'sGarage.ie Now, good to hear from Councillor Michael Murphy this morning on email and he says, Dear Fran, I just want to pay tribute to our Mayor, Councillor Pat English, on the according of a civil reception for the Franciscan Friars last night in our historic Town Hall. I've been in the chamber many times and last night can only be described as extremely special. It reinforced the extraordinary bond that exists between the friars and the citizens of Clonmel, a bond that will never be broken. It's impossible to put into words their impact since their arrival into Clonmel in 1269 only to say that they've been such a positive force not just spiritually. Such impact will forever live in the collective memory of the citizens of Clonmel. And can I also pay tribute to the amazing staff and volunteers down the years, some of whom were present last night. And as I say, that's in with regards from Councillor Michael Murphy. 083 Huge reaction to Joe on the radio this morning um, from Leeds. I think it was, Alex was on to us, was it from Leeds? Yeah. Um, saying that, uh, so enjoying the chat with uh, Joe, and it's the reason why I'm proud to be Irish. She is a scream. She certainly is indeed, Alex. And good to hear from you this morning as well. I hope all is well. Margaret O'Mara in Churchill as well, saying, uh, love listening to Joe and absolutely fascinating stuff. That's into us on 083 Now, we've been following the story of the lack of availability of the Templemore College swimming pool to uh, locals. And um, let's find out what the latest on that is. I'm delighted to be joined now by Deirdre Ryan once again of the We Just Want to Swim Templemore group. Good morning to you, Deirdre. Good morning, Fran. Happy New Year. And many happy returns uh, to you. We go back to the story, Deirdre. What is the latest on this? 
Well, I guess the, the, the latest days were, were in a very similar position um, as we were in in September. No school in the area has access to the pool. And in recent days, um, Mark Kiley, the swimming instructor who applied for a license to restart Friday night classes for children, he received correspondence from the college to say that this matter is now closed and they can be of no further assistance to Mark. Um so I think they're refusing to provide any clarity to Mark regarding what is required to obtain a licence. And really it illustrates a lack of transparency with the process and that's worrying. Uh, I think by doing this, the Garda College have broken a long-standing tradition of community engagement, which also kept children safe in the water because Mark hasn't been afforded the opportunity to discuss how swimming lessons and life-saving skills for the local community can be achieved. So it's very disappointing. I thought, Deirdre, that there were positive mood music around December about this. I mean, what has changed again? Well, I think in November, um, Micheál Martin and Helen McAfee, Minister for Justice, instructed the college in November to reopen the pool. And the college stated that it would be reopened at the end of November. And unfortunately, that hasn't happened. Um, I think overall what what this whole process has demonstrated is there's, there's a, a big lack of appetite on behalf of the management of the Garda College to facilitate swimming classes for children. And this appetite has been there since 1965. Um, and it's not only disappointing, it will it will cost lives. So I think although the college don't have the appetite to provide these lessons or to provide the facilities, there's still a huge appetite within the community of Templemore. Um, and, uh, and we will keep fighting. Is the notion that uh, teaching swimming and life-saving skills being a commercial sort of a, a situation, is, is that still behind this, that money has to change hands? Um, perhaps, but um, they did state that they will offer the pool to schools and community groups that are not-for-profits. Um, but we now know that there's been a number of community groups in the area who have contacted the college in the last few months to try and avail of the facilities and actually they have been stonewalled there's there's been no contact in fact one of them did receive a correspondence back from the facilities management in the college and that stated that they need to contact the OPW Um, and that's really confusing because the OPW have stated numerous times that it's the college that deal with these licences And then OPW will grant them. So it's even confusing. The process is even confusing now because it means that the OPW and the Garda College are are at loggerheads. They're providing different information. So there's a complete lack of transparency. They're making it extremely difficult. Nobody actually knows the process because they've now told Mark that they will no longer engage with him. So we, we can't figure out actually how do we get a license because there's no transparency there. 
And, you know, when you think of the kind of support you have, I mean, complete cross-party support uh, on this. Mm. Behold, Martin was Taoiseach at the time that he came out yes. and said that he can't see why this shouldn't be sorted out. So it's, it's kind of yes. strange that there hasn't been movement on it. Absolutely. And I think um, it also demonstrates, I suppose, the power one or two or three individuals have in the Garda College. They're essentially holding the town to ransom. And uh, But on, on a positive uh, uh, slant, the Minister for Justice, Simon Harris, will be in Templemore tomorrow. There's yes. a passing out parade there. And he stated yesterday that he will actually bring up the matter um, to the Garda College and it will be discussed. And uh, he's hoping for a, a positive outcome. And I suppose from our perspective, we want Simon... Um, to instruct the college to open up the swimming pool immediately to allow schools to have access within within the next couple of weeks. Right. And is he, also, is he aware of the situation just ahead of time, Deirdre? He is. Yes, he is. OK. Um, I know that uh, he had a conversation the night before last with Jackie Caz, who informed him of the situation. I've been corresponding with Simon as well. So he's well aware of the, hmm. of the situation and the ongoing difficulties the community faces. Um, due to the lack of appetite there is in the college to provide these essential classes. Yes. I presume that if you had some sort of open communication, it would help greatly on this. It would help um, absolutely. I mean, throughout this process, uh, we, as as a campaign, we've had no direct uh, contact with the Garda College. I mean, I've had ministers contact me and... Uh, lots of other people in authority, but the Garda College actually have had no direct uh, correspondence with with me or with the campaign. And we would love that. We would love to be able to have a meeting so we can constructively look at this and see how we can how the college can facilitate these classes and what we as a community can do to make sure that that happens. That would be uh, a really ideal situation and really not a difficult one to uh, to arrange. But again, it's about appetite. Will you take to the streets again, Deirdre? Look, we will keep fighting um, uh, and we'll keep pursuing a positive outcome here. So whether that's more um, uh, demonstrations, um, whatever whatever way that that, that um, uh, comes out, we, we have no intention of giving up. Uh, you know, we can't allow individuals to hold the town to ransom. We're, we're doing this to keep our children safe. And our children's safety is paramount and we don't give up on that. Um, You know, there may be, you know, no interest or appetite in the college, but there certainly is in the community. We we don't give up. This isn't a situation where we go, okay, we have to give up now. These are our children. We want them to learn how to swim. We don't want them to drown. And there's precedent in the college to provide this facility. Um, I mean, when when you look that, you know, why wouldn't anybody do everything in their power to facilitate swimming classes for little children when they have the facility on their doorstep? So we'll keep pursuing this. We're not right. giving up well, in the story. Well, Deirdre, we won't give up on the story either and we'll keep following Thank it. You. And uh, look after yourself and do let us know if there's any white smoke on this, Deirdre, won't I you? will for sure. All I right. will for Re- sure. Really good to talk to you again, Deirdre. You Thank, too, you. Thank, Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye to you now. Bye-bye. That's uh, Deirdre Ryan there. If we just want to swim... Temple Moor, 1800 938 007. Now, we were speaking earlier on 
um, about that uh, piece in the Examiner today that protests outside asylum seeker accommodation crosses the line of decency according to the tarnished Michal Martin and indeed the aforementioned Simon Harris there as well has described such gatherings as not protests but as imitation. We put it out to some of our listeners. So what do you think about this? That kind of protest outside those premises, is it legitimate or not? Well, Mick was on to us and he says, uh, these uh, protesters are headbangers. It's like the water charges. If Bus Aaron stopped accepting free travel passes that day, there would be nobody uh, at the water charges protests in Dublin. Another listener says, we all have a right to protest anywhere on public property. And all we, um, we all have a right of free speech as well. This is an attempt by the government and the media to infringe and restrict Irish citizens' rights. What, where, where does the media come in? Anyway, uh, let me go on with the text. All protests highlight failures of government. I've heard no members of the media ask the protesters a simple question. Why are you protesting? The media and the government call anybody who disagrees with their policies a far-right racist. That's into us on 83 Tip FM's Tip Today with Fran Curry In association with Slattery's of Pecone, Tipperary's main Peugeot dealer. Slattery's Garage Pecone, the name you can trust for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery'sGarage.ie If it matters to you, it matters to us. Call Tip Today on 1-800-938-007. Kieran was on to us from Cashel and he says, I'm really interested and uh, fascinated by that lady, Joe, who you had on at the top of the programme, Fran. I'd love to hear more about her stories and about her past experiences with the afterlife. And yeah, we've, we've got to talk to her again because I, I was fascinated by it as well, Kieran. And we wish you the very best. Um, listen, I want to say congrats to Mary O'Shea, who celebrates her 25th year in the hairdressing business in Templemore today. A great achievement in these difficult days with love and best wishes from Tina, Ashling, and from Jim, and indeed all of uh, Mary's family and friends too. Mary, well done to you. And many congrats. It's good to hear it. Um, a good news business story. Back to apparitions and ghostly goings on and all of that kind of thing. When I was speaking yesterday to Matthew Clark of the Cork Supernatural Society, Catherine got on to us and she has some concerns about these kind of investigations and she joins me now. Catherine, good morning to you. Good morning, Fran. How are you doing? I'm doing very well indeed, and a happy new year to you, Catherine. And you too, Fran. You're a little concerned about some of these investigations. Do you think, what, what do you think about it, Catherine? Uh, I don't doubt, Fran, for a minute, or like that other lovely lady, what does Joe, she? yes. Mm. Yeah, Joe, I, there is no doubt, but it, it's the content and, and the reason behind it that I'd have a problem with. And, and, uh, and what what exactly is the problem? What are your concerns, chiefly? Well, they're they're not just. I suppose we could jump to say fortune tellers, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. They're not the people that they think they are. They're being impersonated by spiritual beings, friend demons, as it says in Luke sixteen twenty six. The the dark the darker side of things, Catherine, is it? Yeah, there's a gun fixed between the living and the dead, and they that are dead cannot come to you, neither can you go to them. So it they're they're uh, familiar spirits, impersonators. Wow, and, and who is doing the impersonation? 
there are even spirits around demons. Right. They're very real, yeah. With a view to what, Catherine? I mean, can they influence us darkly in some way? Is that, is that what well, you mean? Well, they can take, you, take your attention away from God and what he says. So who do we believe? Like it says in Romans 3, 4, let God be true and every man a liar. Obviously not personally, but hmm. purely, you know, man or God. Yes. So you, you, know? would, you would be concerned about these kind of investigations I and would research. Ban, yeah. especially fortune tellers. You know, they play on people's yeah. vulnerability. You uh, know, when uh, somebody dies. And these Ouija boards, now I would never get involved with a Ouija board, for example. I have particular fears of uh, of that. Yeah, yeah, there again, when you go, you know, it's like poking a sleep in there. When you go meddling with those things, they will manifest. Right. So, so, so this is... This is very real, you're saying to me, Catherine, but we shouldn't be meddling with it, is that it? No, Fran, no. As I said, I don't doubt for one minute people what they see, but, you know, I yeah. don't doubt that. And do you think there are some people who are more prone to having these experiences than others? Yeah, I mean, you can open yourself up to that, Fran. When, you know what I mean? By, you know, even thinking about it or giving credence to it, you know? An open door. Yeah. Have you ever had experiences like, like we've spoken about, sir? Oh, no, Fran. No, 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 no. Yeah. No, I think when you're well-versed in the Word of God, you're one step ahead, you know? Right, and even if you did have, you would recognise it as being malevolent in some way, would you? Oh, straight away, so yeah, way. yeah. Oh, absolutely, 100%. The, you know? the only positive I would see in it is that does it get, like where, where Joe was concerned, she says, for instance, that she has no fear of death now because she has had these various experiences. Is that not a, a good thing in in a way, Catherine? Oh, absolutely. A source of comfort. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 100%. I don't doubt that at all. Yeah. No, no. It's just to remember, Fran, Second Corinthians eleven fourteen. Satan can appear as an angel of light. Yeah. So you know, you can take on that form. Right. And do you think it is Satan alive and well and uh Oh, in the world today, Fran, you've only got to look around, yeah. Yeah. Sure. You know, but where he has people by the shorts and curlies is they don't believe him, you know. And do, I mean, when you say that he's alive and well and and we see him in various manifestations today. Do, do you see that in politics or do you see it in... Oh, 100%. You know, you've only to look at the ungodly laws that's been passed, you know. I mean, the the standard family unit is being torn down every day. And a lot of people are out there saying that, you know, this is all a good thing, that we're, we're, we're progressive and we're, we're liberal and we're, you know... No, you, man, you, no, don't, you don't see it as that, Catherine, no? No, we're regressing, Fran. You know, today the poor children, well, obviously mostly in America, you know, they don't know whether they're girls or boys. Mm. You know, that's sad. And do you see that as being a manifestation of Satan? I see it as a manifestation as in which he always did. Satan is challenging God. And do you think at the moment is he winning? Oh, for the moment, friend, but there's a coming a, a payday, as we say. Is there? Oh, big time. Yeah, you've only read the book of Revelation. 
And and when do you when when is that? I'm I'm not as familiar with the Book of Revelations as I should be. I'm sure, but when is that due? Do you think? Uh, nobody knows, Fran. He says, well, you know, not the day nor the hour, but be ready. Right. And will we? What will we see at that point? Will Will that be the wrath of God at that point? Oh, big time! The wrath of God will be will be poured out on the well. He'll, his hand will be lifted off countries. It says in the Bible, all the nations that forget God will be turned into hell. And I presume you believe that will be a lot of countries. Uh, who knows, Fran? Only God knows that, you know. Yeah. Yeah, it's 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 interesting, and uh, you know where the established churches are concerned, Catherine. I think you told me in the past that you your beliefs are based on the Bible as opposed to organised religious organisations. Is that fair too? Oh, one hundred percent, Fran. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It wasn't always so. I wish it was, but and is it's that never be- too late? Is that because you might have seen Satan manifested within these organisations? Is that? I think it started from way back in the 40s and 50s. You know, the, the as they call it, the, the church, you know? Yes. And in the Bible, it always speaks of church is, plural. Right. And, and were these organizations infiltrated, do you think, in some way? Oh, they were big time, yes. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, it's... Um... What what would you say to people who research and investigate then these paranormal uh, events? Would you would you tell them to stop that it's bad for them? Um, well, no, Fran. It's just that when you go looking for those things and give them credence, things will manifest. Right, and that could harm you. It it wouldn't do you any good, but you know if that's what they want to do, you know, let them go ahead. Right. But but as far as you're concerned, they, it certainly wouldn't be doing them any good. It wouldn't be doing them any good, friend. No, because it's taken, I suppose, the limelight away from what they should be seeking. God. Yeah, I've never had any of these experiences, but I have an awful fear of them, Catherine, for some reason or other. Well, that's a good thing. Fear is the beginning of knowledge. Yeah, yeah. Well, well, there's hope for me yet. Then maybe you know, you never know. Ah, uh, there's always hope, friend. He's the god of the eleventh hour. <laughs> Catherine, always a pleasure to talk to you. Thank you so much, and look after and yourself, you Catherine. Too, won't you? Have a nice day. You god too. Bye bye to you now. Bye bye. That's uh, Catherine speaking to us this morning. How do you feel about that? That um, is there a danger if you investigate this kind of stuff, or if you're interested in it, that you're opening some sort of a portal to maybe. Um, you know, something demonic or something satanic or something like that. Do you have concerns about that? 1800-938-007. Tip today with Fran Curry. With Slattery's Garage, puck on. You can't beat experience. With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. 067-24111 or slatterysgarage.ie Tip today with Fran Curry. With Slattery's Garage, puck on. Your Peugeot car or van might benefit from a free software upgrade. For more information and to find out if this applies to your vehicle, call the lads in Slattery's Garage, puck on. On 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie. 
Thanks, Sheila. Welcome back to the second hour of uh, Tip Today. Joe, my lovely friend Joe, who was speaking to me about apparitions and uh, seeing and feeling all sorts of strange uh, strange phenomenon in the first hour of the programme. She sent me in uh, some extra photographs and they're absolutely incredible. And I know that Joe has given us uh, permission to uh, put them up online so you can have a look at them make what you will of them but I, I, I think they're absolutely uh, fascinating um, we were talking uh, yeah Joe also was back on to say listening to Catherine I never dabbled in anything uh, particularly those um, Ouija boards and uh, they just happen to appear in photographs that I take so in other words Joe doesn't sort of you know, canvas for any of this in any way. Uh, it's just she seems to be susceptible uh, to it in some way. 1800-938-007. I was particularly taken and saddened by a piece of correspondence um, yesterday from one of our listeners. And I'll just bring it to you and make what you will of it. Uh, it says, uh, Dear Fran, I'm a mother of two young children and as a family, we are now looking into family visas to Australia because there's no future for the younger generation of Irish children in this country anymore. We're tired of it and we're tired of seeing the state that this country is in. We have no say in anything. If we could all be like the French and protest together as a country, we may have more of a chance. I am 26 with children aged 2 and 4 and I'm willing to leave my family here to find a better life and a future for my children. We're not making enough money to be able to get a mortgage here but then at the same time we are making too much money to be a candidate for HAP and rent allowance. Our rent in our last house was €1,100 a month and we have two young children. Four windows in the house were broken and wouldn't open for us and water was leaking through the ceiling after a shower. We have no future here in Ireland. Isn't that very, very sad indeed? I I, I find that particularly sad that a young family, a family who are working, um, just find themselves in that uh, situation. What do you make of that? Oh, in three three double one double three double one. Now, as Sheila told you, today marks uh, one year since the tragic death of Ashling Murphy, the twenty-three-year-old primary school teacher and talented musician, was out for a run when she was allegedly attacked and killed along the Grand Canal in Tullamore. And her death, if you remember, sent shock waves right across the country. Well, Councillor Maureen McGrath spoke to us following the event last year, and she's in a unique position in that she personally knew Ashling and uh, Maureen joins me again. Now, good morning to you, Maureen. Good morning, Fred, and Happy New Year to you. And many happy returns to you, Maureen. Can you believe it's a year on? Yeah, it, it is hard to believe, you know, and, and I suppose the correspondence over the weekend, you know, in, in um, the lead-up to Ashling's first anniversary, it just kind of stopped me in my tracks to, to think about this time last year, you know, and indeed this day last year when, when Ashling, um, God rest her, got up and left to go to work as a school teacher like Annie was got up today, you know, and yeah. didn't know her face. Um, you know, it's hard to believe. It is fair to say, Maureen, it did send shockwaves across the country. I mean, the outpouring of anger and grief about it was incredible, wasn't it? Absolutely, you know, and and I think it did touch so many families, every family, and we've seen that from the different vigils that were held around the county mm. and either in the country and I think around the world as well. You know, Ashton was a fantastic person, a teacher of the next generation of children and, and the next generation of people and a, a fabulous musician. I, I had privileged to know her um, in my teenage years through her involvement in cultists or our mutual involvement in, in cultists and Irish traditional music. Um, and 
and like I, I think it was, I suppose, the randomness of 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 the attack, you know, that happened to to Ashling um, in Tullamore this day last year, that really, I suppose, put fear into in, into so many people, unfortunately, about mm. uh, about you know about personal safety and things like that, you know. So it it it, it is hard to believe that we're a year on now at the stage. And um, that is fair to say, Maureen, isn't it, that it did frighten an awful lot of women, you know, whether they were going out walking or exercising. or, or It made them really think twice about that, didn't it? it? It did, and it opened a whole conversation, I think, about that, you know. And I suppose, in a sad way, it made people fearful about going out in, in their locality, you know, um, whether they want to exercise or go for a walk in the evening or whatever. And and I suppose maybe it, it, it opened a good conversation as well about about bringing communities of people together to, to, to do that kind of walking, you know, to do that kind yes. of exercise or that kind of engagement. So, look, I suppose in, it would, uh, to, to extend my continued sympathies to Ashley's family and her boyfriend and her large sister friends, and I suppose I, I just want to respect their wishes in, 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 in their... Um, request for privacy today, yes. you know, yeah. until the yeah. criminal trial has, has come, come concluded yes. and just hope that, you know, the people at, at the, you know, responsible for this will be brought to justice. Yes. But and, and you make a very good point, Maureen. I mean, the trial still has to happen. The court case yeah. still has to happen where the sentence is. Absolutely, yeah. you know, and I know, I think it was a lesson for so many people because, um, the way social media responded in, in the days after it, in a positive way, but also then, you know, there was, you know, people talking about, you know, the, the details of the trial, which we know we can't do and we have mm, to respect yes. the, the judicial process in, in in that regard. But one thing I do want to say, Fran, is, you know, it's a year on since Ashling um, so tragically lost her life, but there's been so much positive things, you know, in her memory done in that same year, you know, and I think Mary Macla College has launched a bursary for um, students of traditional Irish music who want to apply Yes. To Mary I, you know, in Ashling's memory, she had just recently graduated from Mary I and Ashling's family and friends in Tullamore had a lovely tribute to her at the Tullamore Trad Fest um, just in the past year as well. And they have a new memorial fund set up in her memory too, you know. So, yes, and I think so Coltus have, uh, they, they've established some scholarships, if memory serves me correct as well. Absolutely, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and Ashling was a, yeah. such a talented musician. She was a member of the Coltus Tour of Ireland, yeah. you know, and and she played in our in 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 many venues in Tipperary, mm. um. But but yeah, like to to remember the positive things, you yes. know. Unfortunately, since Ashley's death, she hasn't been the only um Irish lady or, or person in, in the country to have to have have died, yes. um, you know, at, at the hands of someone else, and and you know, so it's, we remember all of those people, I suppose, today. And I read a piece yesterday from Nodine Blackwell of the Dublin Rape Crisis Centre, you yeah. know, about I suppose. The wider picture, you know, of, of violence against women, um, you know, and and I suppose asking that really did bring up that conversation to the forefront in in Absolutely, every house yeah. in the country. And and Maureen, you're a young woman. I mean, how careful are you? I mean, is this at the back of your mind a, a lot of the time if you're going out or if you're on your own or? Yeah, I suppose. Uh, you know, <laughs> when I go to exercise, I, I go to the gym. I might exercise as much as I should um, on, on, on rural roads where, where I live anyway. But I, it would be, I suppose. And, and, you know, I think it always now is in the back of people's minds, you know, and just you kind of, even, even I put in my headphones and 
the dangers of that, you know, you have to be alert and aware, you know. But but I think for for a lot of young people, um, they they you know that that personal safety has kind of been infringed on you. You you do have a sense of kind of I'm, I'm not sure just anxiety, I suppose, behind yes. it all. We always remember asking, and and again, I go back to just I think it was the randomness of of, of the attack, you know, uh, of, of her course, after yes. her day's work, you know. And I suppose and it's also her life. worth. Mentioning because it's in the news now again, and you as a young female politician, uh, Maureen. I mean that advice during the week, for example, you know, um, to you from the Gardaí in terms of how you might might want, you know, look after your own security yeah. and that kind of thing as well. Um, does that concern you? Because I mean, there's a lot of anger out there, and there's a lot of people with issues out there, and I'm wondering, are are you fearful sometimes that that may be taken out on politicians, particularly uh, young females like yourself? In one sense, yes, and I can understand. And I suppose we all have a, you know, responsibility for our personal safety. And there's many different situations that, you know, when like in the public eye, you you go to meet people. Um, but look, it's no different to anybody that's on the front line. And and we see it with our guards and our nurses, you know. And there's a lot of frustration and, and I suppose um, anger with some people on the front line who who aren't getting their services and. You know, I just, I suppose it's a sad reflection on, on so many, you know, on the situation that these people are, are feeling from society, you know, that, that they that they have these outbursts, you know. But mm. I suppose as a young politician, I, anything I do, I, I think, you know, you, you prepare yourself every day to go out and hope that anybody that you encounter, you can help. Uh, but, but, you know, in different instances... You, you'd have to do, like, I suppose, your own risk assessment in your, in, yeah. in your head to make yeah. sure that you are safe in any situation, be it you're going to meet a constituent in their home or something like that. And and I'm happy to do that in most circumstances. But if not, you just ask to, to meet them here in, 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 in the clinic in, in Massey's office or, you know, in a public space, you know. Yes. And yeah. I suppose anybody, no matter what line of work that they do, have, you know, have to, have to do that, you know. But, you know, I suppose I, I, I just... When 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 I seen that um, advice from from the from the Gardaí the other day, I, I do just think of of the other you know frontline staff you know who who work an extremely hard job too in in our it's a very hospitals good point. and it's a very good you know point. our Gardaí who and those, have to you yeah. know can't say no I, I'm not going to come to your house or I'm not going to you know. Yes, you know, and so, some so. stats came out recently about the amount of assaults on nursing staff, for example, and it was absolutely, absolutely appalling, wasn't you know, it? No, and yeah, absolutely, and and I think yeah. it's a sad reflection because. Our nursing staff and, and anybody healthcare staff are, are doing the best they can in in the in the circumstances that they're facing, you know. And I think it's fr- it's, it's frustration yes. more than anything from from some from some people who are trying to access. And have services. you have you ever felt intimidated, Maureen? Have you ever felt at risk or? Um, I, I suppose there, there there could be different circumstances, you know, that that, yeah. that I, I I would think to and. It is a lesson, and I would always, no matter where I go, you know, send send a message in in to my family chat or to somebody to say this is where I'm going now. I'll be here for the next half hour, and okay. I'll talk yeah. afterwards. You know, and I suppose it it maybe things have have changed yes in recent years, but that gives me a sense of security. They can see my location where I am, and I think that's actually one thing that I have have done. Um, with, with some of my siblings and friends to share a constant location with, with friends, you know, for fear some incident might happen to somebody, not not just me, but yes, on a mutual course, basis. Yeah, yeah. You know, and I think technology 
can help us in that. You know, I, I, on on my iPhone, say I'm able to share constant location. You know, yes. with with close friends and family. Well, so, it is it is interesting, Maureen, that you're you're always aware of it and you're you're, you're planning if you if you know what I mean. You know, you're... yeah. And and look, I suppose it's not something that that impacts my role, but it's something yeah, that is, is, yeah. is always in the back of my head. And 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 more often than not, I I probably don't do it because you know the people that I meet on, on a daily basis, uh, you know, and the constituents that I meet are, are lovely, genuine people, and and looking for a little bit of help. And I'm happy to, to give that always. Um, as our, as as is Matthew and the staff here in the office, but it's just, I suppose you don't know what situation you might find yourself in, you know. Before I let you go, can I just ask for your response to the, the, just what I read out before you came on with me, Maureen? That uh, young mother, um, you know, in a desperate situation. I mean, she's working. Her partner seems to be working. Uh, two children, but they see no future here. So much so, they're applying for family visas to Australia. Does, does that sadden you, Maureen? Oh, it, it it so does, to be honest, Fran. Um, and I know you said that lady's twenty six, so I'm not much younger than her. Mm-hmm. And I I can see it myself in my own generation. I was out with some friends the other night, um, in anticipation of one of my friends leaving for Australia this week. And this time next year, out of the seven of us that were out for dinner, I I could be the only one left. You know? Because, Are you serious? Wow. Yeah, you know, and wow. it, it it was a sad effect. You know, it 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 was a sad thing to kind of realize but you know unfortunately it's the situation that so many you know people my age newly qualified um people are are finding themselves in you know and they have no option to leave be it for work just a better quality of life or uh for housing as well they just can't seem to catch a break you know having studied you know, and trying to get on the property ladder yes. and trying to better themselves. In and, their and this couple, they seem to fall into the middle somewhere. I mean, they're making too much money to to be a candidate for, for HAP or for whatever rent allowance might be there, um, but not enough money to be able to afford a, a mortgage, I guess. Absolutely, and it's a, cruel, it's a cruel circumstance that so many people find themselves in, so many working families, you know, and like in a lot of in a lot of instances, and unfortunately, I think that the incentive to work isn't there in this country mm. anymore because people are working it, but they still can't make ends meet. And it's it's a, it's a thing I have raised, you know, on a number of occasions, especially when it comes to, you know, the hap the hap and, yes. and social housing mm. allowances and thresholds. And thankfully, that has been been increased in a, in a small bit. But like a lot of people my age. You know, are stuck where they, they can't pay for a mortgage because they've been crucified. Course, in, in yeah. and a, lady, and a lady told me yesterday, in fact, that if she was to use HAP, she'd have to add five hundred euro a month to HAP to afford even the most basic accommodation. Absolutely, because at the end of the day, it, it still is only a subsidy towards yeah. towards you know a private rented accommodation, and and just I suppose it's the lack of private rented accommodation that you yes. know out there. It's, it's not possible, but I, going back to that family and look, I wish them well in, in whatever they decide to do. But I'm, I, I was sad, but I'm not surprised. You know, even um, when it comes to, to, to our nurses that are leaving, you know, because yeah. they, yeah. they're working under such difficult circumstances and such hard conditions. Chaos. You know, yeah. chaos. Yeah, and and yeah. you know they're they're going to Canada and Australia for just even a better quality of life. You know, where you know. It's 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 just yeah. 
what what they see their future in Ireland at the moment just is so bleak, you know. And yeah, and on the run up to sad, Christmas, we we sad. spoke to a few families in Australia, and they said, "Look, we we'd like to come back, but how can we come back? Because mm-hmm. we can have a house here, we can afford a house here, you know, we can get our services. There's there's proper um, health services, uh, you know. You can see why they might decide not to, but the pity is they want to come home. Uh, absolutely, you yeah, know. that's it, you know. And and look, if you if you look on Daft, they I, I don't think they'll, they'd find much yeah. places to live, you know. And and unfortunately, that's where we see the housing crisis come. You know, with so many families or so many different generations living under one roof, you know, and it's mm. it's just very difficult circumstances and different to you know my parents' generations, I suppose, where it was so much easier to get on the property ladder or so much easier to Absolutely, kind yeah. of set yourself up, you know. And I think some old generations don't understand that and. You know, when they see their their children or their grandchildren struggle, it's hard to even comprehend how difficult. Yeah, because I mean, I I would be in the generation that you're referring to there, and I mean, we didn't have a lot of money, but we could get a house. Mm-hmm. You know, we we, yeah. we could get a house, and it was somewhat affordable at the time. You know, so it's yeah, it's, and it goes back again to like there's there's a, there's a lot of contributing factors, like even the cost to build at the moment. Mm, you know, yeah, be it yeah. a self build or or through a developer. You know, in the state, it's just so expensive again to, to build at the moment. It's just and prohibitive, yeah. There's sure. a lot of, I suppose, contribution factors in, in that. But, like, unfortunately, for so many of my generation in the past year, and I know for the, the year going forward as well, those who were here last Christmas won't be here this, you know, next yeah. Christmas, you know. And it's sad, you know. But look, oh, but, know. But look, don't get me wrong, in a lot of instances, it's a right passage for some people too. And travel is just something that they want to do and they will come back, you know. It's not all. Yeah, well, you've done that yourself, Maureen, and you, you you know what the score is there. But I just, it's when people feel obliged or feel it necessary to go. Yeah, it is that, that's where the that's problem it. is. Yeah, when Maureen, it, it, lovely to talk to you. And again, just sadly today, remembering the passing of Ashley Murphy, the killing indeed of Ashley Murphy last year. Uh, look after yourself, Maureen, and thank, thank you for your time today. Thank you, Fred. Thank yes, you. Bye bye to you now. That's Councillor Maureen McGrath speaking to us there. Um, one year on. Can you believe it's a year from. That uh, tragedy there, the 23-year-old primary school teacher and very, very talented musician as well, allegedly attacked and killed uh, along the Grand Canal run there in uh, Tullamore. 1800-938-007. Tip FM's Tip Today with Fran Curry In association with Slattery's of Pecan, Tipperary's main Peugeot dealer. Slattery's Garage Pecan, the name you can trust for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery'sGarage.ie Tip today with Fran Curry. With Slattery's Garage, puck on. You can't beat experience. With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie. Melissa says, God bless Fran. I always said, don't be afraid of the dead. It's the ones living are most important uh, to be, are more important to be afraid of. I live in a home that has a huge amount of good and bad history. And most nights, there's a bit of a hooli going on. I have it blanked in my mind uh, up to now, but when guests stay over, it can be a bit of an issue. There you go, Fran. Have a great day. Wow. Wow. And I know we'll be speaking to somebody else tomorrow um, about uh, some of these incidents uh, as well. It's uh, incredible. As I say, I find it 
particularly scary for some reason or other, but there you are. Oh, wait, three, three double one, double three, double one. Now, one of our listeners, John, has written a song about children with autism, and John joins me now. Good morning, John. Good morning, Fran. How are you? I'm very well indeed. Great to talk to you today. Tell me about the song and how this came about, John. Um, yeah. Um, so we have our son, Stephen, who has autism, was diagnosed just a couple of months short of 21 years ago. And um, I guess at the time, 21 years ago, and autism were just didn't feature in everyday vocabulary like it does today. Yes. And um, at the time, uh, it was all news to us. We had a little girl who was just gone three years old and bundle of joy and all of that. And Stephen came along and for his first year and <clears throat> year and a half, I guess, or a little bit more, we... Um, we didn't notice anything particularly, and um, then things started to change rapidly. And then he was two years and three months, and we got a, a diagnosis for him. And from that point on, you know, it was all a learning curve. I guess having our eldest child at the time, she was full of the, the joys of life, and she was bubbly and is to this day. And she was kind of like, but she was kind of like our drug at the time. We were feeding off this excitement and this great little bundle of joy. Yeah. And then, <clears throat> likewise, same with Stephen, when Stephen came along. But as things began to change, I suppose, the roles reversed in the sense that we became Stephen's drug. He, he relied on us fully, 24-7. And his, his diagnosis was profound. And um, sometime after that, I think it was in 2003, um, kind of a cathartic release, I suppose, I, I wrote the poem. And um, it started out as a poem. And then four or five years later, I was doing some studying in London. And I remember meeting with a, a guy who, who has written quite a lot of music and he had worked with Francis Rossi and Scottish Co and things like that. And I, and I remember asking him one day, I said, do you, do you write songs? When you write them, do you write music first or do you write lyrics first? And he said, oh, I always write music first. And I kind of thought to myself, oh, gosh. Mm. Uh, in no mind, I have a poem written, but I think I think it has to go somewhere else. So I kind of shouted. it. But when I came home, uh, I remember just going into my office and I, I pulled out the, the, the poem, and I said, "There's something here." And I just picked up the guitar and I said, "Working through it." But about an hour later, it was done. I just written the choruses and written the music, and that was it. It was done. It was just one of those things that I'd, I'd love to be able to say I was really creative and I really put a lot. It just seemed to come, come it just seemed to happen. So that's how it came about. It was written as a poem in 2003 and it became a song in 2008. And it was, I guess it was my way. I, I find that when I am faced with challenges, things that where you can't, you know, can't be fixed. Yeah. And and with everybody's best efforts, um, they can help you, but they can't help you reach the place where you know you need to go or where you need to be. And then I think I turn to pen and paper usually and, you know, get the words down. And that usually helps me tremendously. So I know that... Um, from people who have heard the song in in a similar situation to us, because when I wrote the song, I remember um, I remember the night I wrote the poem. <clears throat> I had been away and I came back home and um, I went in and you know in the early stages we knew absolutely nothing about autism. And um, my wife then is a very pragmatic person. She was the person who pushed to go forward to get the diagnosis. I would have left all this on the long finger and head in the sand type of thing. But we very quickly came to terms, well, very, very quickly came to realise that we needed to come to terms with this. And I guess then did that much quicker than I did, and I was slower to do that. So this night, I, I remember walking into his room, as I would when I come back, they just check head count, are they all in bed asleep, mm. et cetera, et cetera. Mm. 
And uh, I remember going in and we had two, two uh, we had a cot and a, a single bed in the room for the two boys because we had one by exactly um, 15 months after Stephen, Robert, our youngest. So the two lads were sharing the one room, which to us was, <coughs> excuse me, Mm. It was was great news because we didn't think this was going to be a feature when we were reading all this information about autism and which in some instances is really non-relevant because autism is just a label and the whole process of figuring out who you have comes after that and the label doesn't solve anything. Mm. So I remember looking in and seeing these two blonde heads in the bed together. Obviously, William had hopped out of the cot and hopped super inside the bed together. This was like, oh my God, I can't believe this is happening. I never thought this was going to happen. Because mm. we were all told just autism, you know, there'll be no emotive connections and things like that. And, um, and I just, the first line of, of, the, of the song of the poem is, when he lies asleep, he looks just like his brother. And to me, this was, we were in a situation where we had two children of similarity and one child of difference. And we never looked for difference because, um, difference just presented itself to us. So we were always looking for sameness. And in this moment, I had found it. And it was like, oh my God, I can't believe this. This is this is the first moment of some sort of normality. I have two boys who look very, very similar. They're only 15 months apart in age, lying together. And I have to question which one is which by their blonde heads. So for me, this is like, oh, this is this must be what it feels like to have, if you can use that dreadful word, like normal. But this must be what it's like to have a normal family. So for that short moment, it was a real, you know, it was a real moment. And <clears throat> I just literally came back downstairs, got a pen, got a pencil, I remember well, and and a food scat book, and just literally wrote the words of the poem, which, which, is, which is the song with the exception of the choruses. And it just literally poured out one word after the other onto the page. And that, that was it. We're going to have it. Will you stay with me for, for, for a while, uh, John? Because I, I want to just give Liz a chance to have a listen to the song sure. and, and we'll come back and we'll chat again. Is that okay? Will you just hang on for me Thank for, you. for just a second? Sure. Have, have a listen. This is the song in question. When he lies asleep He looks just like his brother This is the time we get To run our fingers his hair Feel his gentle cheek Look straight at his face Before he's gone back Beneath the covers For when he wakes His every move is watch His every word rejoiced His constant supervision to his peers He lives a different life His simple world Without our strife When is enough Gonna be enough When we look back There's no regrets Just a little
face He's oblivious To our hurts and fears And the simplest of things He doesn't understand And to tell you what he wants He'll take it by the hand Once in a while He'll stand to watch Other children As they play And I sometimes wonder Does he ask himself John, it's the most beautiful song, real heartfelt uh, song indeed. One of the lines that strikes me from it, though, I find kind of heartbreaking, is that sometimes he stands to watch other kids play, John. Yeah, and I ask myself, why am I this way? Um, you know, this is the thing with autism. As I say, the label is great because it gives you access, but it should give you access to services, but it gives you access to the whole dimension of we've got a person of need here. Um but in terms of an interpretation of who your child is, it lends itself very poorly to do that because once you get the label, you realise then that you've got to now go on the discovery of who the person is and how do we communicate with this person in a in a way that's meaningful both to them and to us. And I think you you the big the big challenge there is you you've got to try and find um, metaphorical bridges, I guess, really that you can try and cross between each other so that. The difficulty is that we don't know how he interprets the yes. world. And we do know that he's in a very happy space. That's the great thing that we have, we have, we've been able to organise our lives in a way that we know he's happy and he lives in a happy space. The challenge is, you know, the basic language that you and I use, communication and linguistics, is probably one of the poorest modalities of, of 
communication. While it lends itself fine, I give you an instruction, mm. turn up the radio, turn down the radio, that's fine. It does, it lends itself very, very poorly though when I want to try and explain something to you that has all of the other senses attached to it, which influence our emotions yes. and our willingness and things like that. So language is very poor in that context. And I sometimes see that people like Stephen, they operate on a much higher functioning. He's got an incredible innate ability just to be able to understand how electronics work. Okay. Stuff that I couldn't give him, I couldn't give him descriptive language to use because the language is lost on him. So <clears throat> when I, when I, that line of the song, when I think about, you know, I wonder, you know, why am I this way? Does he ever get moments of when he's in that moment staring at other people doing something? What is he thinking? Yes. And I can't have thinking through, through, through the filters that I use to think through. Is he thinking what I'm thinking? Why can't I just be like that? Why can't I just do that? And life can get very frustrating for a person who doesn't have the same communication device. If you ended up in a foreign country without their language and no one there to interpret what you're saying or they're saying, you know there's a level of need and want in the person you're talking to, are they with you? But the ability to get that message across is like, we use all sorts of things like sign language and hands and all sorts of things to make gestures and and we still can't figure it out. Um, That's, daily life for a person who's non-verbal with autism and that lends itself to, to frustration and then you get some of these uh, you know, outbursts of behaviour which in essence is, is a communicative uh, way of trying to let themselves be heard. Of course and, and the frustration I would would imagine as well. Yeah. Um, so, it, it's, it's a unique insight to even talk to you and uh, to hear you explain all of that so eloquently as well and I, I love the idea of the little miracles as well and I suppose that's what you're hoping for every day I suppose where communication is concerned and the like John. Well, exactly. I mean yeah. as way things advance you know there are all types of new modalities of treatment and there's new ways of learning and yes. There's new ways of influencing. So I suppose every game we make is a miracle. Stephen himself is a miracle, there's no doubt. But, you know, there's all sorts of games. And, you know, um, it's, it's look at it. There's no point in saying differently. It's it's a different road you travel when, you're, when your life is challenged in, in a specific way. Yes. But it does take you down avenues and it does allow you to meet people. And it does, like, it, there's a huge amount of bonuses in our life as a result of having someone like Stephen. I would, in a heartbeat, for his sake, have his life to be the same as any one of his age-appropriate friends. But it, that's not going to happen, and I don't have the power to influence that. But when we take, when we step back and realise that, look, at this is a real person, and he has introduced us to incredible amounts of people, and really, really good people, and made a huge positive change in our lives. And I wouldn't have written that song or that poem if I didn't have Stephen. Well, as you, and, say, you, know, as you say, and it's the essence of the song, I suppose, no regrets uh, whatsoever. Um, John, it was <coughs> it was smashing to talk to you today. My best to Stephen and your family, and thank you for coming on with me. Thank you, friend. Thank, thank you. you. Congratulations to you on the song as well. That's uh, John with his uh, story told so eloquently there by, by John himself. Um, all right, we'll take a break. Back with Farming. Tip FM's Tip Today with Fran Curry In association with Slattery's of Pecan, Tipperary's main Peugeot dealer. Slattery's Garage Pecan, the name you can trust for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery'sGarage.ie Join the conversation in Tipperary. Contact us through Facebook, Twitter or email tiptoday at tipfm.com. Time for our weekly farming slot. Uh, glad to be joined, as always, by Katrina Morrissey, uh, editor of the Farmer's Journal. Katrina, good morning to you. 
Good morning, friend. Great to talk to you. Can we start with that surprise, I suppose, which is the scrapping of the coal scheme? Um, what, what, what happened there? So this, um, Fran, if you remember, was a very controversial recommendation yeah. of the Food Vision reports prior to Christmas and then subsequently moved into the Climate Action Plan for 2013. The proposal was that um, the Department of Agriculture would provide two schemes. One was a scheme of incentives to encourage suckler farmers to cut back on the number of suckler cows they had. They could then move into other things like forestry. They could take in sheep, but they wouldn't be allowed to have breeding cattle on the farm. Mm. Uh, sorry, they would be able to replace those animals with other breeding cattle. The other one was a um, an exit scheme. So it would be where a farmer would sign up to get rid of all of his or her um, suckler cows. So there was a, I suppose, a vociferous reaction from the farm organisations at the time that they didn't want anything to do with the scrappage scheme for sucklers. But then the, I suppose, the might, as it were, of the meat processors also came out against it. The Meat Industry Ireland pointed out that if this was the case, if sucklers were going to be cut back, some of their factories would close, it would have a huge spin-off effect on rural Ireland, jobs would be lost, and there would be an overall massive hit, multi-million euro hit to the economy. Um, The minister has said, he was at the IFA Climate Summit in Limerick on Tuesday, He said, I've listened to what you're saying, I've listened to farmers, I've listened to the meat processors, and those schemes are now off the table. So a big, big move by the minister, I think. Because interestingly, Fran, we had actually surveyed suckler farmers um, in the Farmers' Journal. We surveyed 800 suckler and beef farmers, and half of them told us that they would have been interested, depending on the incentives, they would have been interested in looking at those schemes. It's interesting. What will replace this? Nothing. I think what it does is it ramps up the pressure now on the other measures in the climate plan. So things like enhanced forestry, more cutting back of fertiliser, more um, moving into organic production. But Professor Thea Hennessy, who was chair of the Food Vision Group that came up with these recommendations, has said that it would be very, very challenging to meet the targets without right. these schemes. But, but he is looking at that dairy exit scheme, is he not? That's right. He has left the door open for a dairy exit scheme. Um, the minister on Tuesday said that there was more support. There was support within the dairy group that a cow reduction scheme should be examined further. So he's going to look at that. He's going to go back to that group and talk about what that might look like. But certainly for any suckler farmer who had been waiting for a decision you know, make their own individual decision and a decision by the minister as to what incentives would be on offer. It's gone now, so that option is is off the table in the minister's words. Why are people cross about that uh, quilt uh, uh, purchase of that property in in uh, North Tipperary? What what's behind that, uh, Catherine? So this is, uh, I suppose, a joint venture between Quilta and the UK-based investment um, fund Gresham House. Mm. And what they're doing is they have said that they're going to buy 12,000 hectares of standing forest and land suitable for planting. Um, under this arrangement, the investment fund will be able to claim the establishment grants and the annual premiums that are available for forestry. It's a very attractive package. They're eligible for um, premiums for 15 years. Um, it's something that Creelture was not able to claim. Creelture, when they put in new forests, up until about 10 years ago, they were allowed to claim the premiums as well. Then the EU intervened and said, no, according to state aid rules, you can't pay Creelta. Mm. 
So in effect, this joint venture gets around that state aid thing. But what it does, I suppose, and why people are so um, uh, angry about it in, uh, I would say nationally, but in particular in areas where this would be directly affecting them is, you know, you're competing potentially against an investment fund to buy land that is near you. Right, so it'll drive um, up the price of land, is that There is, is that a very, very real prospect that if the investment fund is bidding, they would have more power to bid higher. Right, but are they not buying land that there's forestry on, Katrina? In some cases, but in some cases it's fresh ground just ah, suitable okay. for planting. So, yeah, standing forests and uh, land suitable for planting. The Tipperary 1,100 acres um, just outside Newport, Castle Waller, um, was actually, that deal was done. The, the folio registration uh, took place just in the week before Christmas. So that is, in fact, the first purchase that we are aware of by this new joint venture. Declan O'Brien has, if I may say so, a really good analysis and mm. background to this story in the Farmer's Journal this week for anybody who's interested in it. Some good news about Irish agri-food experts. Or exports That's even, I beg your yes. We have exports and experts. Yes. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, more good news, I suppose. The, the exports have gone to $16.7 billion. Um, things like dairy and beef obviously driving that. It's It has been a good news story for a number of years now. I suppose Ireland is, is top class at producing food for other people in the world to buy. Um, the board's fee of figures, you know, we I think the last time that I wrote a front page about it was a couple of years ago and it was 13 billion, so another 4 billion on top of that, probably over mm. COVID times, I'd say that increase. Look, it's ultimately where the dairy powders, you know, the, the beef products go from farms in Tipperary, Cork, Waterford, Limerick. You know, this is where they go in a lot of cases. They go abroad and that is how much money they're worth. It's very interesting indeed. But the the input uh, price there as well, I mean, you know, there is a cost to farmers, I suppose. There is, of course, yeah. yeah. And farmers are getting the, the raw, I suppose they're getting price for the raw product. Mm. This is where the value added board yeah. figures will, would, for example, include the likes of um, a very nice bottle of whiskey, you right. know, being sold in France. The farmer's grain price is a long way back from that bottle of whiskey in the same way as the the, um, the the processed dairy and beef products is a long way from the price of cattle going into care. Absolutely. Finally, can I ask you about something that I'm sure a lot of farmers will be interested in uh, this week in the journal, Top uh, Tax Saving Tips, uh, Katrina. That's right. Uh, nobody likes to give money to revenue if they don't have to. <laughs> yes. um, and uh, I will point out that these are all <laughs> compliant tax tips. Yes. Um, they're easy to understand. We've we've gone with 23 tips for you in 2023. Um, I suppose it's an area that can be quite complicated. There are lots of clawbacks. There are lots of claims that people can make, um, both for the, the household, you know, such as medical expenses, and then for the farming business. So um, definitely, if you want to save a few quid, pick up the journal for those tips. If you do nothing else, only arm yourself with the information and then follow through on a handful of them, I'd say there will be money in your pocket. And that has to be a good thing. Katrina, it's always good to talk to you. Thank you and uh, bye-bye to you, Katrina. Bye-bye. That's uh, Katrina Morrissey there and uh, Katrina, of course, is editor of the Irish Farmers Journal and that is on your shelves right now. News is coming up. 
Tip today with Fran Curry. With Slattery's Garage, puck on. You can't beat experience. With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie. Tip today with Fran Curry. With Slattery's Garage, puck on. Your Peugeot car or van might benefit from a free software upgrade. For more information and to find out if this applies to your vehicle, call the lads in Slattery's Garage, puck on on 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie. Thanks, Sheila. Welcome back to Tip Today. Now, as you know, we're with you every weekday morning from 9 and just after 9 o'clock this morning. Uh, lovely Joe spoke to me. And she told some stories about ghosts and about her experiences that she had with her mother following her her passing. It was just just fascinating. Let me give you a, a little piece from that. Mammy came back to me, but she honestly said she would. She she said to me, you know, if there's a way back, I'll come back and tell you. And, and your I, mother, she did come back to you, did she? She, she, she frightened the living bejesus out of me. <laughs> <laughs> the poor old creator, she had only went in Clanmel hospital, she died. And I was I, I was staying uh, down with Daddy because I wanted him to be on his own, like you know. And when everyone left the house, I thought, right, I'll stay here with the crater. It's nice. Yeah. And he says to me, "Will you go in? I'm sleeping in your mother's room. Do like you know, old people that time they didn't sleep with one mother. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. Yeah. Um, I said, oh, Jesus won't, Daddy. No, I said, I'll stay here on the couch. But I said, you'd want to go into bed because the you belong all day tomorrow. Yeah. And anyway, he went half into bed. And I was sitting on the end of the, the couch. Now, that's 30 years ago. I was sitting on the end of the couch and I was looking up at the little window in the alcove and I used smoke fags that time. Mm. Dirty habit. Anyway, um, I was looking up the window and I thought, well, I have a fag. I want to have a fag before I lie down on the couch. And I got an old blanket out of the hot press. Um, and I was just, and I just turned back and the holy moors she was sitting on the bloody chair where she normally sat across no with the dirtiest grit. But she wasn't sick. That was the funny part of it. And she loved red. She was actually dressed in red. And the dirtiest green, well, I got up and I forgot the tag. I forgot it. I got up and I went into daddy's room and daddy had a little tiny armchair yoga into the bed. And I got daddy, can I stay here? And that's Joe speaking to me this morning just after nine o'clock uh, with her um, tales and, and absolutely incredible stuff. We really have to speak to her at, at length about what she's experienced all her life by way of paranormal stuff and all of that. Anyway, let's go get back to the real world. I'm delighted to be joined in the studio now for our health slot by Muriel Cuddy. And Muriel, of course, the CEO of Marito uh, 8020 in Clonmel. Good morning to you, Muriel. Good morning, Fran. And good to see you. you. You're going to speak to us today about the anti-diet culture that's out there at the moment. Will you, will you just explain that, Muriel? You know, and isn't this really controversial? It's very much so. Even yeah. for you to say the words anti-diet, etc. Yeah. yeah. And you know, before I even start, anyone that knows me and anyone that comes into clinic or listens to me here knows exactly the page I'm on with this. Mm. So I suppose the anti-diet culture is the fat acceptance movement, mm. the fatosphere that they're actually talking about it at the minute. It wasn't, I suppose, social media didn't start it, but social media has given it a platform. Um, and what it is, is is to say it's okay to be overweight, it's mm. okay to be obese. And I suppose from my point of view, it's the fact that there's no shaming in, you know, that's that's not the, that where this, I suppose, where, mm. where I'm coming from. Um, it's the fact they're glorifying 
the fact that it's okay to be three, four, five stone overweight or whatever. I don't think it affects, um, say, our generation, Fran, but I think it most certainly affects the younger generation coming through because, like, we're talking about, like, one in five of our teenagers are overweight um, and stats, like, are 61% of people in Ireland are overweight or obese, you know? So uh, the World Health Organisation will tell you the fallout from it is just phenomenal. Like, mm. the, the illness that that's there in relation to being overweight or obese is just like right. unbelievable. So I suppose from my point of view, I don't want the younger generation to actually think it is okay to be two stone overweight or three stone or four stone overweight. That's not healthy. That's mm. not the way life should go. And that's not the way we were reared. We were reared like as in you eat your meals, etc. And if you were a little overweight or whatever, you got out and you ran and you got on the bike or you done whatever it is. Mm. So I suppose I'm really coming from the health side of things here as in it's not okay to be overweight, that we need to be healthy, you know. Right. But there's lots of reasons why somebody is overweight then. Of course. So that's and that's not to shame anybody who's overweight. Um, and But something can be done about it. Not in a million years. Yes. But I just feel for the younger generation, it's not okay. Say, you'll see the girls go around to the belly tops like and there's like a massive belly hanging out between the belly and the trousers. Mm. We wouldn't have been able to do that or been allowed to do it in our time. Mm. And that's not okay. And I suppose it's just being really honest and being really what would you say, reflective about this, that we can actually talk about it yes. without saying we're shaming, shaming people that are obese. We're not. I deal with it every day and I know there are so many issues in relation to somebody being overweight or obese. It could be medical driven, as in antidepressants, etc. Anything on that side. It can be what I talk about every day in relation to the leptin and the hormones, mm. you know, mm. because they drive it like hunger signals in the brain, like powerful hormones affect and alter the chemistry of your brain to make you overeat and you're just not able to control that. It releases the brain releases dopamine so it releases dopamine when, when we when we eat food and yes. the more wrong foods we eat the more dopamine it releases so it's really hard to actually get it right and, and, and you know sort out that world but we do have to try and it isn't okay to be unwell and on, 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 and unhealthy yes. and we saw during COVID like if somebody was obese they were like so, you know, um, more likely to uh, yes. catch COVID. I saw one of the big influencers where that it's okay to be obese um, movement is because she actually died. Yes, she, she passed that's, right. Yeah. that's right. That's right. Um, she was a name? very young woman. There's, yeah. there's one of the singers that actually came on telly. She was as fit as a fiddle. Now, she was probably about four stone overweight. And I actually took my hat off to her. My lads were there mm. or whatever. And I said, oh my God, she can move. Mm. Um, and Saskia started telling me then, oh, she puts up her on Instagram, ma'am, all her food and all mm. her workouts and all the different bits and pieces, yes. she said. So, you know, don't know why she is so overweight or whatever. She said she's normalising it for everyone that it's okay to look like this. And you know, if somebody is very healthy and their health markers are where they need to be, we are all different sizes. Yes. Like you so have, that's fine. Well, you have Shetland ponies and you have yeah, racehorses. Of course. Yeah. And greyhounds and terriers so yeah. we are all different so like somebody might be like their happy place might be 12 stone mm. somebody else and they come into me and I say this to them by looking at them somebody comes in and they're 19 stone or something they'll say to me I'd love to be 12 and I'm like well I actually think your happy place is about 14 or 14 and a half right. that's where okay. you can eat really well we'll get your health markers where they need to be you know, and you're well and right. you're fit and all So bits. everybody's treated differently. They, they, they have a different story, a different body, different metabolism. All Completely. Yeah. And different issues in relation to yes. why they're overweight. So some, yes, it's hormonal driven. Some it's medication. Some it's genetic. Some it's literally their parents were overweight as in because maybe they ate wrong and they saw it from at home and it yes. just carried through. So every single person is completely different. Yeah, is this 
as bad as the opposite, where at one stage, maybe still going on to some extent, where you were being lauded for being extremely skinny and to the point that it was bad for your health. It's the same thing, you it's see. the same thing, So we yeah. had all the skeletal models that are out there. Yes. So now they actually think it's really good that we can do the other side. So right. we have the overweight models. But you know, it's, it's, it's actually proven the magazines that put the overweight models on it don't sell half the amount of magazines as what the skeletal models do. So people still have this thing of, and you know it is, we're, all, we're image driven. Mm. Like everything is mm. edited and all the bits and pieces and you know, you can't take a picture of anyone anymore. That, yeah. Like and don't put that up until you, whatever, you know. So like, yes. so we know image is so important. Like, mm. And that's, that's what's driving all of this. It's really good that people are pushing it out there that, you know, a little yes. overweight, we are all different body shapes, et cetera, et cetera. But it's not okay that we can actually create this community of let's go ahead and let's be obese and whatever because yes. it's not right. And that brings, I mean, my perception would be that it's old, well, middle-aged people coming to you with weight problems, but are you finding younger people are coming to you? With oh, Fran, we have everyone. We have, like, parents bringing in their kids to us that are now the youngest I take is around 11 because they're I can start educating and they yes. they understand what I'm talking about or whatever but yeah I have 11 year olds I have every age from that age up along with parents that are really really worried the kids are leaving primary school heading into secondary school uniforms matches training all the different bits and pieces uh, and when the parent brings the child in the child is bothered and upset as well mm. and they're worried about this coming through and at 11 like to have these issues in your head so that's what I'm actually saying like the fat shame inside is there as in they're bullied in school for being overweight but where do you normalise it? Where is the happy medium like? Yes. Because health for me is the number one. It's not body size or body shape. Health is the number one. But it's every age. And I think that teenage group coming all the way up into um, young 20s or whatever, mm. you see the size is getting bigger. Like the normal size now is a 16 to an 18. The normal size would have been 10 to 12 in the beginning, 12 to 14. But it's getting bigger and it's getting normal to be right. And the size. result is we have huge health Well, issues. we have high blood pressure, high cholesterol. These are the ones I see every day. Like we have blood sugars, we have the sleep apnea, um, stroke, you've gallbladder disease, you have how many types of cancer, your quality of life. Like then the mental illnesses, like because people's diets aren't right. So like you have the depression, anxiety, all that side of it. So I'm seeing it every single day. I get tears every single day from so many people that come in. I'm like, you sit back and you wonder to yourself, how do I deal with this? Mm. Where do I take this? How do I get to the bottom of it or whatever? So a lot of people, yes, we can help because they're with us because they're ready to get help. Yes. You know, but I just don't like the fact that social media is normalising it because it's not normal to be unhealthy. That's like, we none of us feel well if we're unhealthy. You talk about your wine and you talk about mm. the food side yeah. of things and the struggles and all the different bits and yeah. pieces. Everybody knows it. Everybody has a story on some level of ill health, wherever yes. it comes from. But overweight and obesity drive so many health issues. So that's something that we can't normalise. And do people look at you and say, you look fantastic and stuff? I mean, you couldn't possibly have issues with that. But I mean, I know from, from chatting yeah. to you that, I mean, you, you know, you're in the gym every day. You you know, you, you have to work very hard. All the issues are there. Yeah. My background, say like I've said about daddy um, yeah. and he had cardiovascular disease, etc. Um, genetically on my side of the family, yes, there would be weight issues, metabolisms, etc. Yes. My, my kids, the four of them, the ones that have the O'Sullivan, genetics are pre 
predisposed, yeah. predisposed to yeah. gaining weight. The ones that have the other side aren't. Right. So like the genetic side is there. I know it. I know myself if I don't eat well. I can feel straight away that that, that that black hole is there like it is with anybody else that you actually feel energy levels are on the floor. Even like we've 40 steps in the building or whatever. Mm. You feel the le- your legs are like lead. All yeah. the different sides do it. So I work hard every single day at trying to feel well. Right. Because I know if I feel well, my world works easier. I fight with my kids every single day, Fran, literally, in relation to eating well. I've told you I do the pint of care sugars. Mm. So I bring home the machines or whatever. Yeah. So I had to bring them home after Christmas because when I got rid of the junk food, it was still appearing behind my back everywhere, literally. I'd see, and that's everybody's house, isn't it? Mm. But when I done the pint of care with the sugars, one of the lads in particular, he loves the Lucaside Sport or whatever. Mm. So he had his Lucaside Sport and I said, you're not drinking that for a minute. And he said, why? So I made him do his sugars beforehand and they were at 4.3. I left him drink the bottle of Lucaside in its entirety or whatever, made him do them afterwards and they were 11.2. Wow. Yes, now that was... After one bottle? That was because it went in instantly and it was there, but that was after one bottle. Now he actually sat up in the stool beside me and he was like, oh God. And I said, can you see why I'm giving out about it? Right. I said, if you had drank anything else... You wouldn't, they wouldn't have gone up that quickly. You know, like even a bar of chocolate wouldn't have put them up that quickly. I said, there's your energy right. drink. We should be doing this stuff with our kids in school. Like we should be doing it every day instead of doing... That's, that's, uh, that's kind of scary. All but right, you know, all the running around, we're trying to make a move and we're trying to do all of this kind of thing and education, man. We're worried about the anxiety and the depression and all the different bits and pieces. If we put figures in front of them like this, if we've done things like this with them, that they can actually see it themselves. Mm. It's like doing the tests that you put things in water and they see things floating and you make different noises out of glasses and stuff. Like the eye and the visual for kids is the learning. That's, that's what would sell it. That's what changes to, the mindset, the, yeah. yeah. Isn't yeah. it incredible? There is hope. Yeah. For for anybody out there who has a bit of weight on, yeah. and what they, they, there are, and you would have seen success stories over the time. Education and sport, yeah, they're the two words I use all the time. Somebody said to me this morning, Muriel, can you give me a diet sheet? If he's listening now, he'll start laughing. Can you give me a diet sheet? Can you push it together for me so that I know what I need to have or whatever? And I said, No, I'm sorry, I can't. And I say that to everybody. I said, I'm not going to do it for you. What I'm going to do is I'm going to educate you on what you need to do. First of all, I'm going to figure out what's wrong. So where is the problem coming from? So is it genetic, whatever, where is yes. it coming from? Where are the health issues? So is there things like cholesterols or sugars or whatever, what's out? And then let's us, let us sit down and let us work together over the next whatever to educate you on what works right for your body. Some people, it's the Saxenda, like the weight loss injection. We are doing that since last November. And you know, I'm learning as people are learning in relation to how this works because it's new and, you know, it's new in the, in the mm. world of weight loss. And we're actually figuring out, like, for some people, maybe two months is enough that they've established new habits um, that they can actually maintain. Yes. And they've done the education piece so they know what foods to eat. And they're not going to go back down the road of eating what they're eating yeah. in the portion sizes. Yeah. So that's definitely working on some levels. For other people, it's just a complete new mindset. Nutritional, nutrition intolerance is a massive issue, Fran. So many people, there's different things mm. that they're intolerant and they would never have known they are. Tell me about that because that's something that has come up for you a lot yeah. lately, hasn't it? Getting a lot of that lately. And I'm getting that younger. So I'm getting, say, maybe 35, that brigade kind of right through or that age group kind of right through. Um, I don't know, is it because things slow down, kids come, you're not exercising as much, the weight starts going on, people start feeling unwell and all of a shot they're like, well that was always there. So going out to train or whatever, I didn't feel as good or whatever. And when they come into me, they want to get back to where they were. And I know straight away by looking at them, whether there's an issue or not. Mm. So in relation to food intolerance, like we talk about the poo and talk Mm. about your tongue, but we talk about your skin, your pallor, your eyes, all the different bits and pieces. So I can tell before I do, before anyone even sits down, if there's an issue. And I'll say it to them and they'll say, 
Lord. And then I'll ask him about their history. And we start going down a rabbit hole then of literally, oh my God, this is there since I've been whatever age. Uh, yeah. And we start working on it. So intolerance issues are huge, right? And it can be something very small. But if you clean up the gut and you get those fires put out or whatever, and we get the good bacteria back again, people start feeling better, you know, yeah. and the metabolism. Because I think many of us tolerate things for years and years, you yeah. know, whether it's niggly pains or the way yeah. the tummy behaves. Or yeah. we, we tolerate this. Well, like you shouldn't, you shouldn't be farting. Yeah. You shouldn't be burping. Mm. You shouldn't have a bloated stomach that you have to open your button. Mm. You shouldn't need the rescue remedies and the Nexiums and all of these kind of things. Like if you can get your gut right, tablets aren't really needed. Mm. Tablets are a poison for the system. Now, I know in some instances we need them, but we shouldn't be taking them every day. Like if you were taking neurophins and paracetamols and anti-acid remedies or whatever every yeah, day. There's something at the core. You're masking an issue and you need yeah. to find out where that issue is coming and we, from. We, we've said it before and I mean, it annoys the hell out of me that the advertising of these products, uh, these conditions are made normal. Sure, I said it to you before Christmas. Yeah. Like I sat back when I saw it on telly. The guy that was walking through and he was able to go out for dinner and have his wine and mm. he was stressed when he jumped out of bed in the morning and all day long, go, go, no sitting down, and all, whatever, and came in at night and he took his tablet and mm. jumped in beside the wife or the girlfriend or whatever it was and you could see everything and his body just went green and beautiful and whatever and he fell asleep and he was able to do exactly the same thing the next day. You know, right. so like, yeah, uh, yeah. 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 When, when really the issue there is all the stressful life that well, he Well, he was masking like, he would, <laughs> yes. it was just literally, what it actually does is just flicks the switch to mask what's actually happening instead of like fixing the problem. Like somebody said to me one of the days the other day, they had really bad psoriasis um, and they were given steroid creams, etc. and different things for it, you know. Um, and they said, is there anything else? Could it be gut related? Could it be? And they were saying, no, no, it's steroid creams, that'll work. And I said, did it work? And they said, yeah, it did for X amount of time. But now it's back again. And that's why I'm in here. And I said, but the issue wasn't cleared up. Yes. Like we have to figure out where the issue, your skin is your gut turned inside out. Right, so just fixing a symptom isn't. Well, there's no point putting cream on the outside. Yeah. Like your skin is your gut turned inside out. Yeah. So we have to figure out where it's coming from. So like if it's stress related, if it's acidy foods or caffeine or whatever it is, we have to get to the bottom of it. We have to fix it. And then as you go forward, when it comes back again, you know straight away, right, I have to go back and right. sort out what's causing William it. is obviously fond of ordinary LucasAid, so he's wondering, is LucasAid's Forte any different? They're both the same, really. The same. And you know, there's, I'm not going to knock things, as in LucasAid Sport has a place if somebody is playing sport and they need the electrolytes and they need a certain amount of it. But yes. like, you don't need normal LucasAid. Okay, right. And uh, somebody else on about LucasAid Sports as well being used by elite sports people for heat hydration. And of course, they're yeah. endorsing these products yeah, as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you know, like I said, certain things in moderation like that, if they're mm. playing sport and they need the electrolytes and they get it from that, yes. that's okay. But for kids, the easiest form of getting electrolytes into your kids is, is milk. Right. And chocolate okay. milk after training. And, and uh, the point that you've been making there really with the test is the spike. Yeah. A sudden spike oh sure, like like an eleven year old doesn't need Lucasade Sport or a fifteen year old. There was a guy in the gym this morning. He came in. He was probably I'd say about twenty or twenty one, but he walked in like I'm strutting his stuff or whatever. You know, at half six this morning, drinking his can of Monster as he was coming. So like that's the first thing he was putting into his system. Sure. Yeah, and that was going to give him like yeah whatever <laughs> going to give muscles. Out, he was going to be like yeah, it's like on steroids. Yeah, yeah. yeah are yeah. are you tempted at, at times like that to say, look, come here, would you? You really have to bite your tongue. Okay. It's, right. yeah, yeah, like my own poor kids. I suppose because I'm involved in this, they just switch off now. They don't really listen to me anymore. But yeah, when I see people, it just because I see the fallout. I suppose Fran and I've mm. got a lot of backlash because of the weight loss injection. So people have said to me, why and yeah. why would you? And you're, you're, no, you're against that or whatever. I'm not. Like HRT, I've been on about for the last two years. 
that if you need to get your hormone level sorted through HRT, you need to take it. Mm. So the weight loss injection for me, one guy was in real trouble. His health markers were like out the, off the, the Richter scale or whatever. And he started on it before Christmas, Fran. His visceral fat level was like 19. It should be at eight or below eight, right? So that's the fat range of internal organs. Mm. He started at around 70 December. He went to the Canaries for Christmas, came back into me this Monday. Visceral fat had dropped by three levels. So he's back to just under 16, 15 and a half or something. But his cholesterol, blood pressure and blood sugars have all come down significantly. And he's lost 12 pounds in weight. Wow. Now he struggled all his life. Literally, he sits every yeah, day or drives yeah. or whatever it is. I was just blown away by that. That to me is like the success of something that has no contraindications, doesn't affect... It brings the health markers down. He said he feels like right. a million percent. And it gives him a start. Yes, and it's a tool. And like he, the other thing was he said to me, the habits have started. He said, I wouldn't dream of going into a filling station now and buying a bar of chocolate. Mm. You know, he said, I know I don't need I it. Yeah. So that's what it's about. Absolutely, indeed. Even yeah. though I hear that a lot of those uh, drugs, uh, there's such a, a, a want yes. for them now that they're gone off them. People just... They can't um, get them in the pharmacy. They can, but you know, it's interesting to note, just for anyone that's listening now, because Saxenda is very dear, so it's €250 Euros just for the injection, right? But if somebody has underlying conditions now, you can actually get it through your GP right? Um, free. So they have to download a form and if you've three of the high blood pressures, etc. So that's good to note. So I know they're... they're um, yeah, I think the Ozempic is very high it's, to get it's, it's gone. It's that's gone down, across, right. right across Europe, yeah. But is it for anyone that's listening, the fact that you can, can actually get it through your GP, whether they'll give it or not, I don't know. Right. But if you have underlying uh, conditions, it's definitely worth looking into. Right, very good. If people yeah. want to talk to you, Muriel, or your team, how can they do that? Yes, so it's 052 61 48881. 48881. Uh, what, what about plans for Marito yes. for the year? Have you exciting stuff coming up? Well, we actually have. We put a post up and we got loads of questions afterwards. On Sunday, was Sunday New Year's Day? We were back in on the Sunday on New Year's Day um, to plan for the new year or whatever. Yes. We can't talk about it as yet, but yes, we have big plans for the new year. So oh. we're adding in lots of things into the Clomel Clinic, but um, there's other plans for, like, we have a big space downstairs and everything. Uh, so hopefully by April, May, we'll have the doors open there. That Very good. We'll She's saying all this on. with a big smile. Yeah. So the yeah. great, great excitement yeah. on that. That that phone number once again, Muriel? Um, 0526148881. Okay, very good. Indeed. Great to talk to you, Muriel. You Thanks very much indeed. 11.25, back in a moment. Tip FM's Tip Today with Fran Curry In association with Slattery's of Pecan, Tipperary's main Peugeot dealer. Slattery's Garage Pecan, the name you can trust for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery'sGarage.ie Tip FM's Tip Today with Fran Curry In association with Slattery's of Pecan, Tipperary's main Peugeot dealer. Slattery's Garage Pecan, the name you can trust for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery'sGarage.ie now, for this week's Down Your Way programme, my great friend Eamon O'Dwyer attends the Lecra Gales, uh, Gales Awards. And here's just a little taste of what you can expect this Saturday morning. Tess Maloney's with me. What a special day it is for you here from Ross Gray today. Oh, yes, very special indeed and a big surprise really. I wasn't expecting to be. You were a Camogie star in the past? I was indeed, yes. Yeah, tell yes. us about your Camogie days. Uh, I started playing in Ross Gray when I was 12 years of age. I went to train with, under the watchful eye of Kathleen Heffernan Carmody and Terry Griffingini. Okay. And... Uh, I was very young and small and very light, not much heavier now. And uh, 
I've fed on and trained with them for some time, and then they put me in the goal. Kathleen Heffernan got sick, and Carl is the caller. And uh, I uh, was put in the goal. Oh, I played a stormer that night. It was nothing like me. <laughs> Until the following week, they put me in the goal for a match, and I wouldn't have stopped the train. I was pure useless. Oh, Lord. So that finished me goal yeah. career. So, so you, went after that. you went out to fields and all Tell us about how many, how many medals have you won? I have, for, for tip, I have uh, six Munster champions, six inter- interprovincials for Munster, and I have uh, 12 Munster fi- uh, county finals. Isn't that a record in itself, isn't it? Our club in its own won 16 county finals on the trot. 16 on the yes, trot? Yes, that's yeah, great. Yeah. I remember we celebrated that quite a number of years ago. That went in 2004, wasn't it, for yeah, the 100th yeah, anniversary? Absolutely, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. So those were those days. They well. were brilliant days, absolutely brilliant days. Yeah. We had a super team. We had, we never, I'd say, there was eight to nine of us always on the tip team and six to eight was on the monster team. And did you, you're as fit, you're as fit looking as you always were. I am, yeah, thank God for thank it. Thank God for it, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you're driving around your new car. No, I never, I didn't take the car. You won, no, the, I, you won the car, of course, in the, in, the ju- in the June draw. Yeah, I, did, I did indeed. Yeah. And no, in the um, March draw. March was March yeah. end. Yeah. yeah, March or April. And no, I didn't. I I took the money and said, it was easier managed. Yeah, why not? Yeah. <laughs> so did you celebrate in any way or had a good, uh, a good occasion? Yeah. Oh, we had family, a family, family occasion. We, we had a family occasion. And then I said we had a presentation in Mickey Whalen's. And so yeah. we had a great night there, as you know. And... Yeah. Uh, Went on a few holidays and the usual, like. Why not? Ross, we are doing pretty well at the moment. We're on top now at the moment. Yeah, Let's hope yeah. we finish it off now next yeah, this day week. Please God. Death, every success. Uh, congratulations on a special day today. Thanks very much. I got Thanks. this. Right. I want to say hello to TF Stapleton. TF, how are you doing? Very well, Liam. Congratulations on this special day for you guys. Yeah, sure, it's grand to be recognised at some stage of your life. Isn't it now? It is indeed now. Yeah, Boris Lee man of note and indeed played with Boris Lee. The pivotal role in, in many of the championship games. Ah, sure, I was pulled back for a hundred years nearly. Yeah. And sure, we had good days and we had bad days. And we had, uh, we, I was, won five North finals in two counties. Yeah, not too bad. And an under 21 back when it was back yeah. in the 69, 70 oh, along there. Yeah. You had some great colleagues at that time playing with you. Ah, sure, there were some great players like St. Old the Wire, Timmy Delaney. Tommy Dwyer, sure, Brendan Kenny, all them lads, they were all fine hurlers, every one of those. It means you grew up with a good team and a great team. What about all the Stapletons that hurled? Yeah, sure, they all give a bit in their time now, mind you. They all, they, are, they were all, Matcher was very good in his time and Paddy hurled up until he was in the mid-twenties and Michael along there, but then they all went their different ways, they all had to go their different ways. Hurling is a bit, a bit different today. Completely different, sure. It's all falling and play acting now, and no, no physical stuff anymore. They don't believe in it. But at the same time, when you talk about physical stuff, it wasn't the slaughterhouse in your day either. Oh no, it wasn't. But sure, like, I mean, you could shoulder lead, but sure, if you shoulder lead now, it is a free straight away and nearly a booking. Absolutely, yeah. Listen, uh, you're looking forward to this day for a while. Not really, Damon. It's given us a shock. What do you do in your retirement now? Because you're retired for. For the last number of years. In what way? I have a few cattle and that keeps me going, Eamon. Oh, yeah. You like going to the marts, do you? <laughs> I do and meet a few rogues in there as well. <laughs> Bigger rogues than myself, I think. 
Oh yeah, it's good. It's good. But you know, you know them all. You all know each other. Yeah, sure. We, we all have a fair idea. We're going to them a long time. Yeah. So around this table today, who who's all your friends here today? Liam Stapleton and Thomas Callan, and then Willie is over here. Willie Aiden, and he's. His family there. Ah, it's lovely. Nice to be with you. Uh, listen, every success. Enjoy the day. Thanks, Eamon. Uh, we, we cut across here to Willie. Willie Hayden, how are you doing, Willie? How are you doing? Uh, good to be with us. Thanks. Yeah. Uh, you, you played a pivotal role in many, in, in many events in, in, in North Prairie because you were a gate checker for the most part. Oh, I was there for years. Yeah, he was. Yeah. yeah. And Monster yeah. Council as well. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That was, that was an important job too, wasn't it? Oh, it was. It had to be done, sure, anyway. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He, Trying to recognise fellas that played oh, for the club. And that's right, yeah, yeah. And the, it was any passes in, of course. It's all cash, you know, and out his uh, card machines and scanners. And, yeah, we're gone very modern, you know. Yeah, indeed, yeah. There was none of that then. Like, um, yeah. I, I done the gates when there were only sixpence to go in and a shilling. Right. Yeah. So to find the change and all of that. Oh, you name it, yeah. <laughs> the bag around your neck and the weight of the kind. Yeah. What about the letter to get in for that? Oh, well, we got lots of them too. We did, we did. We did. through them. Oh, we managed. We, we, you'll get a fair idea. Yeah, you would. You'll know. That's it, sure. So yeah. Look at the, uh, every success and thanks for sending Thank a lot to us. Okay. Well, two of the greats in handball in County Tipperary, uh, Billy McCarthy and, and uh, Peggy Mullins. How are you doing, lads? Very good now. Uh, good to be with us on today. What a special day for you guys. Oh, that's great, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So how did you, what did you achieve in the, uh, uh, in the, hand, in the handball alley? Uh, probably the best one was mine on 60, in 68. Okay. With my friend Sean Harry. Oh, my God. That's okay. That's, um, I did two juniors, a junior in 77 and a junior in 88 and a senior in 88 again. Okay, okay. With Noel Ryan, so... You love the game, did you, Well, sure, the ball with the back of the house, so. Oh, no. And that nets the only place. You're all so. the way from Shaheen here today. Oh, there's a good few of them around. There's oh, yeah. another lad, um, Michael Connors, there from Pedersheed's Club. Oh, again, so. And this man, uh, uh, Peggy Mullins, how are you doing, Peggy? I'm good, I'm good, thanks. Yeah, Handball player as well. Handball player too, yeah. yeah. And I played with Billy there, Billy McCarthy. We won an All Ireland together one yeah. time. Yeah. And my brother Billy played with him and won an All Ireland with him. Okay. Cheney, yeah, yeah. So you enjoying the crack here today? Yeah, go, go, Jet. It's grand to get it. It's yeah. Did you watch the, the handball away all the time, did you? Oh yeah, would you? Over the course of great interest, in it. Yeah, great yeah. interest. You know what I mean? And, uh, and especially for the family, isn't it today? Oh, it is, it is, it is. Including yourself, of course. Yeah, no, you said it. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, that yeah. is, it is. I suppose nice to be honoured, isn't it? Absolutely. You know, after all the years so in play, you, playing. Would you take? Would you go into the handball now and have a? Oh, I play. Mix up the wall. Oh, I play away. One, one day I learned this year myself and uh, brother Billy. Oh, did you? Uh, no, no, we're in the masses now, you know, oh, because of the age, you know. Yeah. I'll play every year, yeah. It keeps winning. Oh and, uh, you must have a, a bag of medals, have you? I have a good few. <laughs> a good yeah. few of money, yeah, yeah, yeah. I shall, to grant to be able to play it, isn't it? Oh, to grant to, yeah. to be able to play any sport. And we loved uh, hurling and the football too, you know. Absolutely. Yeah, that's, that's, uh, hey, listen, nice to be with us and uh, yeah. say long. Congrats on the special day. Okay, thank you. Hey, was with me. How are you doing, Eddie? I'm, go- I, I'm in shock now. I didn't yeah. realise I was going to be asked a few questions. Yeah, uh, how are you doing uh, anyway? I'm Eddie, very good, Eddie, very well. Eddie from Lockmore uh, achieved, achieved what probably nobody achieved in their time. Well, Eddie, sure. You had great achievements in your, in your day. Great achievements. I won minor county finals, football and under 31 football, minor hurling football. I won the National Football League Division 2 with Tipperary in 1970. I uh, won five, four county finals with Lockmore. 
I won two months Railway Cup medals and I was footballer of the year twice. Bit of a record. A bit of a record. No wonder I have a bad hip. <laughs> <laughs> hey, good. But it's great to be honoured here today. That is brilliant. I'm delighted now to be honoured, yeah. yeah. Right, delighted. Yeah, yeah. With the family as here and yeah. the youngsters will remember me for something. Yeah, so that's what's very important too. Very important too, yeah. yeah. Not more achieved so much success than in recent years as well. Ah, they're, we're a great little club. Yeah, we're a great little club. We're probably lucky at times, but still you have to have, you have, to have the stuff as well as luck. And that's for sure. I love the line, no wonder I have a bad hip. That's the great Eamon O'Dwyer and uh, this week's programme from the Laker uh, Gales Award. And of course you can hear that in its entirety this Saturday morning from 10am on Down Your Way. Another programme, as Eamon says, another edition of Down Your Way. Now, a good few people on to say they didn't catch the number to speak to Muriel Cuddy. Well, that's 52 614 that's 052-614-8881. And the name of the clinic is Marito 8020. That's M-A-R-E-T-O, Marito 8020. We'll take a break. Back with more. Tip today with Fran Curry With Slattery's Garage, puck on. You can't beat experience. With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie If it matters to you, it matters to us. Call Tip Today on 1-800-938-007. One of our listeners pointing out uh, the uh, passing of uh, Jeff Beck. Indeed, I was very sorry to hear uh, that news uh, this morning. I mean, incredibly influential uh, guitar player. He rose to rock and roll stardom in the 60s with the Yardbirds and went on to have a very prolific and very creative solo career as well. And I mean, lots of the great guitar players would pay homage uh, to uh, Mr. Beck, including old Slowhand himself, uh, Clapton. Um, yeah, a really, really creative, um, God-given talent, really wonderful talent indeed. I'm very sorry to hear about his passing. Unusual as well in that he suddenly contracted bacterial meningitis by all accounts and passed away very, very quickly indeed. And a lot of music fans out there will be very sorry to hear that. Now, speaking of music, given his uh, passion for music and playing his guitar, when Padder Bradshaw started secondary school in the high school in Clonmel, he found it hard to understand how understated the very rich musical tradition of the school appeared to be. Now, he has created a, a documentary that will stand as testament to the high school music tradition that made an impact on a global and national and indeed, of course, a local level. And I'm delighted to say that Patter joins me online now. Patter, good morning to you. Morning, Fran. And great to talk to you today and many congratulations to you on this as well. First of all, tell me about your own passion uh, for music. You're a guitar player? Oh, I am, yeah. Uh, I don't know, it's like guitar is like a second voice for me. And at this stage, I play it so much, like I'm addicted to it nearly. And is there a particular genre of music you're fond of, Padder? Um, well, yeah, anything like hard rap or heavy metal or anything. But I'd also play like blues and denture, you know what I mean? Ah, very good. So you're into shredding and all of this stuff, are you? Uh, the stuff I can do, yeah. <laughs> very good indeed. Now, when you joined, you were a guitar player when you when you went to the high school. And tell me what you discovered there about that tradition of music in the school. Well, it's it's strange because, like, there is such a very long tradition of music 
but it's not always at the forefront. And um, I was at a concert there not too long ago in Kildare House, and there were 12 musicians on stage, whereas eight of them had actually gone to high school. And then there was, last year, there was a business competition being run the Irish Student Enterprise Business Competition. Yes. And um, I had, in COVID anyway, I had, as well as music, tried to teach myself how to do video editing because, well, I was bored, you know what I mean? Mm. And um, I had the idea I wanted to do something interesting for this business competition. And I decided... Like, I just said I'd be interested in doing, like, a documentary kind of thing on music to, like, show that long tradition that school has. And uh, what a great idea and a great creativity, of course, involved in uh, proper video editing as well. Now, you, you've been, it's a two-hour documentary, I think, is it? Yeah, it's two hours now. Originally, it was only supposed to be, like, 20 minutes. Yes. But the thing was, we would start off and we were asking, like, we started by asking my guitar teacher and... Um, other people that we knew locally were into music. Um, but what what would happen would be we'd contact these people and then they'd say, oh, you should get the number for this fella or this fella. Mm. And it just, it blew up, like, and we suddenly had everyone, like, in the whole school who had ever done music, like, you know what I mean? Very good. And did you sit down then with people and interview them face-to-face? Yeah, so we organised, like, we had days, I think there's, like, four Saturdays where we had a whole load of people come in for interviews. And we would take them one at a time, or we had sometimes, like, we'd have people having conversations with each other on camera. And then we'd interview them, and we would, um, we ended up with 150 hours of footage for them at the end of it. Um, so at that stage, 20 minutes wasn't exactly going to be an option anymore. Of course. So, yeah. we, so we, it ended up with a feature length, two hour documentary. Now, I think the premiere was last Sunday, was it? But but people have another opportunity this coming weekend as well to see it. Yeah, so last Sunday was the premiere for anyone who was involved in it. Um, but this Saturday at 8 o'clock in the cinema, there's going to be the final clearing of it, which will be to get tickets after in the school to book yourself, reserve yourself, or you can just show up at the cinema, but there's no guarantee where the tickets left. Right, so you'd be better off to reserve a seat, I presume. Yeah. Okay. And can I give out that that uh, number for that? Is that the oh five two six one two double four five nine number? Is it? Yeah, it's that one. Okay. So again, that's oh five two six one two four four five nine. If you want to reserve uh, a seat for this, it's in the cinema in Clonmel. Uh, it is. Yeah. Okay, right, very good. I'm sure there will be a huge interest in that. Of course, many of the big names spring to mind, I suppose, Patter. People like Frank Patterson, Michal Suluan. Yeah, those people, Vincent Handley as well, were, they're all, they all went to high school as well. Very good indeed. And did you, I, I mean, you're, you're a very young person. I mean, did these names mean anything to you beforehand? Um. Well, I mean, Vincent Handley would have because he created MTV. Yeah. USA, which is like the Irish version of MTV. And, um, you know, MTV would have a lot of the fun music I'd be interested on if we go looking for it. Yeah. Um, whereas Frank Patterson, I knew who he was mm-hmm. because they're the statue outside the library. Yes. But it was very interesting to just learn more about him when we were making this documentary. And same for me, all the one. 
Absolutely. I mean, the contribution that Michal made to music is incredible with his work in UCC and UL as well. Just absolutely incredible. I'm delighted to hear. I also see that you have a family relationship to to a guy who's a hero of mine, the great Freddie White. Oh, yes. Yes. He's where I could pinpoint my interest in guitar, actually. He was very inspiring to me when I was young. Yeah. And what is the connection with Freddie? It's on your mother's side, is it? Uh, yeah, basically my mum's sister is his wife. So oh, fantastic! I think he's just wonderful, and what a guitar player as well. Oh yeah, he's incredible. Just, just brilliant. What are you going to do now that you've got a, a taste for this? I mean, do you, do you like the notion of the media end of things as well now, Patter? I do. Yeah, um, I would like to like say combining music and video. You know, and like I worked tomorrow with a guy named Evan Hickey who was involved in the film. Yes, and I think we're filming videos for his upcoming music releases. So that's the kind of thing I'd like to turn into. Well, I think it's great. And what about where the music is concerned? Then, I mean, would you would you like to make a career of it, for example? Oh, I'd love that. Yeah, would that you? would be that's like a dream, I suppose. Yeah, uh, are you too young to know who Jeff Beck was, or you know, do you? No, uh, I, I know who Jeff Beck was, and it's actually really sad to hear about his passing. Yeah. Absolutely, what a, what a guitar player! If you get time, you should look back at some of the performances. Absolutely incredible, uh, Patter. It was a real pleasure. We'll look out for your success in the future. But in the meantime, uh, this coming weekend, uh, if you want to reserve a seat for that, oh five two six one two four four five nine. I hope it will. Or be... you can just go up for the end. There might be some tickets left. Very good indeed. But it will be made more widely available, will it, in, in the weeks and months to come? I'm not, I don't think so, no. This is the last time to see it. Oh, is it? Okay. Okay. Very good indeed. So well, if, if you can, just turn up and see it and see the flesh of summer. All right. Padder, it's a real pleasure. We wish you well and thank you for coming on with me. Thank you, Fran. Thank you. Bye-bye to you now. That's Patter Bradshaw there, talented uh, musician and filmmaker indeed as well, and of course a pupil at the wonderful high school in Clonmac. He's very personable as well, isn't he? Uh, so we wish him the very, very best where that is concerned. A lot of people on to us. <laughs> Following what Muriel said to me uh, about um, LucasAid Sport and, and all of that, obviously a lot of you are indulging in uh, LucasAid Sport out there quite a bit as well, and you're wondering, is it okay to have it a couple of times a week? Sure, I don't know. I don't know. Um, a little bit of what you fancy, I suppose. And speaking of which, one of our listeners on to say, uh, variety is the spice of life, Fran. A lot of good and a little bit of bad does wonders. Just go to bed early, preferably at the same time every night, whether you're tired or not, and you'll train your body to rest and to sleep as well. All right. What did you make of the fact that uh, Johnny Rotten who's now going as John Linden, or Leiden even, um, could well be representing us in uh, Eurovision this year because his parents from Ireland and he sort of, you know, he fits the bill and all of that. I I love the song. It's called Hawaii. I love the song, but I'd love to know what you uh, think of it. So I'm going to give it a spin for you right now. Let me know what you think. This song could be representing us in Eurovision with... Uh, John Lydon or Johnny Rotten, however you want to um, describe him um, as the man who wrote and who sings it. Have a listen.
that's punk legend himself, uh, Johnny Rotten uh, there, um, or John Lydon as he's going now, uh, him along with his band Public Image Limited. They're, they're all looking at me here as if I have two heads. I, yeah, I do like that. I don't know why, but I think it's it's good. Maybe it's the sentiment behind it as well, because it's dedicated to his wife who has Alzheimer's. And, um, you know, I think that aspect of it as well, I suppose, resonates with me somewhat. But uh, the song Hawaii, anyway, a love letter to his wife of nearly five decades, in fact. Uh, Nora is her name. She's living with uh, Alzheimer's. Uh, she's 80 years old. Uh, Johnny himself in his uh, mid-60s at, uh, at this point. But uh, yeah, I'm just looking at um, some of the reactions. <laughs> Some of the reaction into it was already somebody saying, have you gone off your head, Fran? That's absolutely terrible. Somebody saying, um, apparently Johnny hates Eurovision and says it's rubbish, each to his own. Well, I don't know. He, he wants to represent Ireland anyway. This listener also saying, I think it's great if RTE had the courage to select him, but I don't think much of the song. Connolly is the one for me. And, uh, yeah, somebody else saying, ah, Fran, after... The turkey dusting, anything goes, obviously, where Eurovision is uh, concerned. Am I the only person who who likes that song? Uh, somebody else saying, too tame for today's Eurovision. Um, okay. Uh, Vinny Savage in Nina says, shite. <laughs> you put an awful lot of thought and effort, Vinny. <laughs> to that particular response, but you're not you're not impressed at all with it. Well, there you go, you know. Um, yeah, music being so subjective and all of that. Somebody else mentioning uh, Michael Flatley. Yeah, we did speak about this at the top of the programme. Michael Flatley has revealed that he has undergone surgery for an aggressive form of cancer and he's now recovering. He's 64 years old. And he said he was diagnosed with the uh, disease but didn't specify which uh, type. Uh, he previously spoke about getting treatment for a melanoma uh, detected on his skin and he's been a strong supporter of cancer uh, charities. But I, I think, if memory serves me correct, that was about 20 years ago, I think, that he had that uh, melanoma. Uh, but anyway, he's undergone surgery and uh, the family saying that he's under care uh, of a very excellent team of uh, doctors and uh, yeah so we wish him the very best indeed I, I have to say I was dragged along literally dragged along to a performance of his uh, in uh, Lord of the Dance in Dublin many 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 years ago and I'm not all that fond of Irish dance so I was there under duress to say the least but I was blown away by the man. I have rarely come across such star quality. When he burst onto the stage that light, that night, it was like electricity. I mean, it was just absolutely uh, incredible. So anyway, we wish him the very, very best, that's for sure. That's it for me. Emma produced Ali Looks After Her Content and I will talk to you tomorrow. Stephen is on the way to drag us kicking and screaming back down memory lane with the time tunnel. Look after yourselves, won't you? Bye-bye. Tip today with Fran Curry. With Slattery's Garage, puck on. You can't beat experience. With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie.